Hey everybody, welcome to Ignorant Bliss. Um, this is episode 68, uh, the weekend of the 2018 Oscars. I plan to actually put this out a little bit earlier, but um, the Nor'easter that hit the East Coast uh, has some winds that uh, injured me by like hitting me with a sign. So um, I'm finishing this a little bit later than I wanted to. The... Uh, first half of this episode, I'm talking to friend and fellow DC critic Dominic Griffin. We talk about, uh, you know, the, the folks of the episode talking about some of the films we liked from last year and some of our feelings about some of the Academy Award nominees for the Oscars. Um, so I hope you enjoy this first hour. you back on the show because you know i see you at all the screenings i go to for the most part and you go to a lot more now since you're writing for so many different different uh outlets you mm-hmm. timing <laughs> trying to so uh i'm putting this out i want to put this out before uh the oscars pop off of course and um first i want to just talk about like what was what was some of your favorite films of uh 2017 that's pretty easy. I mean, like, uh, uh, this is the first year in a while where I really like seen all the best picture nominees before they were announced. You know what I mean? Like normally, uh, there's a whole bunch of movies that I just don't like that are Oscar contenders, but I have no interest in watching. Yeah. Uh, and this year I feel like it's still not perfect, you know, like they got darkest hour in there, but, um, I feel like this year was a lot closer to like what my own personal tastes were. Like, uh, Love Get Out, that was, like, one of my... Like, for me, movies in 2017 almost peaked in February last year because, like, <laughs> I got to see Get Out, Logan, The Lego Batman, and John Wick 2 all within, like, two weeks. Yo, that was a strong <laughs> month, wasn't it? 
I almost so, forgot how strong that was. Oh my it god. It was wild. I mean, like, so for me, from like March to like the fall, watching movies was just kind of like perfunctory. There was almost nothing I was looking forward to. Like anything that came out, I was like, I'll see it, but it's not John Wick 2. Or I'll see it, but it's not gonna be like get out. So uh that was like there are probably movies that I liked that came out in that period, but I can't think about them without looking it up. You know what I mean? That was like a whole yeah. chunk of the year where I was like, all right, like I watched the, you know, you know, as a critic, you end up watching, you know, pretty much everything. So, uh, and I particularly tend to get assigned a lot of like, uh, trash movies just because I have, I have pretty open-minded tastes and I'll watch anything. So I had a whole chunk of just watching like a bunch of, a bunch of garbage, <laughs> a bunch of like <laughs> a bunch of just mediocre ass movies. But then, um, you know, the fall always has like, you know, fall into winter always has like a bunch of big stuff. Uh, so I liked, uh, those four from February were like, in, like just in my top 10 pretty much stayed there. The only thing that I think slipped out of my top 10 from those movies is probably like Logan. Cause I still liked it a lot, but, um, like Logan was a movie that like, uh, I didn't like get the itch to watch again. Really. I was like, this is really good for what it is. I really, I'm really impressed by it, but I wasn't like, uh, raving beyond having like once i saw it i was good i wasn't like still thinking about it later um but in terms of other movies in my top 10 definitely uh phantom thread because i'm a huge paul thomas anderson fan and i love that movie uh like i think that in a different year where there was like fewer where there was less of a need for the awards narrative to be around like what's going on in the world Mm. i think phantom phantom thread would be like a like an easy layup for movie of the year. You know what I mean? It's, it's the kind yeah. of movie that's, it's just, it's so well made, but you know, uh, the narrative for the awards is going to be centered around things that are more topical, you know, like, so it's going to be like get out versus something like three billboards, you know, but, uh, I love So I love get out. K to three billboards. Uh, bro. What else? I hate that movie, bro. <laughs> I'm so glad. I, I was like, man, I can't remember if Julian liked this or not. I don't want to argue with him on his podcast. About no, it. no, no, no. <laughs> I think if the movie would ended in 45 minutes, I'd be like, yo, I, I fuss with that movie. But it kept yeah. going, and then I was like, oh, nah. Oh, this is the okie doke. Oh, this is that bullshit. Like, I can't remember a movie that started out so strong where I was like, wow, this is just like, gets right into it. It's such a great premise. Like, it's such a, like, it's interesting because it's a, you know, McDonough's like a playwright before he's a filmmaker, right? But just the idea like the title itself has so much like weight to it and then like the imagery of the billboards themselves and so everything about it is such a great setup for like a like a low budget film you know yeah um like everything about the premise is like yeah this is this is so there's so much you can do with this and for like a little bit he's doing some good stuff i mean prince mcdormand's great you know but you're like ah oh, man this sam rockwell character is kind of weird uh all right i don't know why why okay he's he's not going away like he just the movie just veers in his direction and you're like i don't care i don't want to watch any of this like i mean i love sam rockwell and he's one of my favorite actors but it definitely depresses me that he's probably gonna win an oscar for basically playing like a racist if the racist was a dana carvey character you know um it's 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 not even that he plays a racist he gets a he plays a racist that is like morally redeemed yeah i saw i saw martin mcdonough say that like it's not a redemption story and the character's not redeemed and stuff and like my issue is i don't i don't know what the movie is supposed to be saying with all of that because i've seen people defend it and they're like well you know it's 
like because here's the thing having a having like a, a like a deplorable character or whatever in a movie does not mean the movie is bad because there are deplorable characters in real life yeah um even having a deplorable character in a movie who is redeemed or something isn't necessarily bad you know what i mean uh if that's if your if your movie is specifically about redemption but this movie is supposed to it, it sets itself up as being like an exploration of grief yeah. And then it wastes a chunk of the time with this like unlikable shitty character who doesn't really learn anything or like grow. He just sort of like also like I I still can't get over, you know, uh, Woody Harrelson's character in the movie and just so, so much about the movie seemed like it was written for like Blue Lives Matter. You know what I mean? Like, that's how yes. I felt about the movie. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? I don't have to. I don't have to like this shit. Like, I don't have to pretend I'm into this for no reason. You know, like I don't fucking like it. And I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's half of a good movie. It starts off like great, and then it's not even just the Sam Rockwell stuff. It's like there's like the whole second half of the movie just has things happen, and it, none of it really makes any sense. And like I hate when someone defends a, like a, a shitty plot with like well, life doesn't make sense, you know? And like, you know, life is messy and has, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, like plot threads that, that just get left there and unanswered mysteries. I'm like, yeah, I know. But, uh, that alone mimicking the, the chaos of real life it alone is, doesn't make it a good movie. You know, like so many, uh, I think independent films and like artier films have a tendency to be like, well, you know, they mask, an inability to wrap up a story or an inability to write a good third act as being like, well, in real life, there is no conclusion. And that's like, well, yeah, but like I, you made a movie though. You didn't make a documentary, bro. You made a real, you made a movie in real life. You don't have control over everything that happens in a movie. Your whole job is to create everything that happens. So if you make a movie and you're like, well, in real life, you know, there it's messier and, and you don't find out who the killer is. But yeah, that's great. That's cool. But like, then you got to give us something else. You have to like, you know, it's okay to have a movie that has an unsatisfying climax. If that unsatisfying climax means something or has a point, the yeah. point can't just be like, yeah, man, life's fucked up. Well, duh. Thank you. I didn't even get that. I've got to like, Oh, you get to the end and Francis McDormand's vigilante quest. Then merges. Then like, He's like, oh, the racist white cop I've been beefing with the entire movie now understands my vigilante rage, and we're just going to go terrorize other white people for my. It feels like, it feels like some middle America shit. It's like I don't like for real, like, and y'all celebrating this like this is cool, like none of this is cool, bro. Like, motherfuckers shoot up country concerts over this shit. Like, I don't like you. You celebrated it. She burned up the police station and Clark Peters does nothing. Peter Dicklish was like, yeah, we was fucking. Bruh, nah, that ain't happening, bruh. He ain't getting them, he, he ain't getting them cheeks, bruh. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, I was so... I was, you, I was so good right until Woody Harrison like killed himself. I was like, yo, this movie, I could fuck with this movie. And then right then, it started going... It started going full like... Fucking Captain America being a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It, it definitely seemed like something expensive would have written. Um, I, I think I think that was my beef with the movie too. Was like I didn't. If I had known going in the movie was going to be kind of like that, I probably wouldn't have been bothered. But the fact that like it felt one way to me and then completely went left, I was just like, oh, okay. Well, I don't like any of this. It was a trick. 
I felt, I I think felt it, bamboozled. I think it might be from, uh, I want to say it's like from like a Robert McKee book or some shit, but like there's like this quote about, I'm pretty sure it's just, I don't even know if it's a real Robert McKee quote, but I'm pretty sure Robert McKee says it in the movie adaptation. Uh, when he's telling, you know, Charlie Kaufman that like endings are really important in a film. And it's like, if you stick the landing and you make the last like 10 or 15 minutes really count and you send people home, like not necessarily happy, but like dramatically satisfied, they will forgive so many other things in the movie. If that ending Mm -hmm. was like legit, but if you make a great movie or you have some amazing scenes and then you just fuck it all up in the last 20 minutes, that's all anyone's going to remember. And that's how I feel about that movie is like, there's so many things about it. I really liked but when I try to access the memory of the things I liked, all this other cluttered shit is in the way and I can't even see it. So when you fuck up the end of a movie that bad, you're just you're just shitting on everything else you did. Um, so fuck that movie in particular. But uh, other stuff I like to see here. I love Shape of Water. I thought that was really good. It's a movie I really enjoyed and I'm a little bit worried to watch again because I think if I watch it like... You know, sometimes there are movies where you watch it and you want to watch it like 10 more times mm-hmm. and you know you're going to just love it forever. And there's movies you really like, but you know, the more you watch it, you're going to like, like it less. Like it'll, it'll like uh, ruin some of the luster. So Shape of Water is something I loved, but I'm like good on it for like maybe four years. Like I'll watch it way down the line, I guess. Uh, but uh, Lady Bird was, I was like really, really big fan of that movie. That might be like my, uh, I think Lady Bird and uh, Meyerowitz stories are probably like sort of tied for my movie of the year. Cause I really, Really liked Meyerowitz stories, and I think that if that hadn't been debuted on Netflix, people would be would be talking about it. But it's a Netflix movie, so no one cares. I um, actually, I think they, I think they're making a a personal vendetta to not nominate Netflix films because Mudbound isn't on the Best Picture category, and I don't like. There's not many movies who stuck with me that I saw in 2017 like Mudbound did. I was like, yo. Yeah, you know, Mudbound is a movie that I really uh, I really uh, thought was impressive. Like, I liked it in an objective way where I was like, this is really well made. I like these. I like but I didn't I didn't really connect with it all that much. I also made the dumbass mistake of like I watched you know, I was trying to catch up on movies I missed out throughout the year uh, near the end of 2017. Mm-hmm. And, it, and one night I watched like uh, this is kind of embarrassing, but I was watching that show, The Shy, you know, from uh, Lena, the writer from yes, uh, Master of Lena yeah, Wade, because yeah. it's an amazing yeah, yeah. show. It's a really good show. And I, I watched like the, I, I, I just seen the pilot when they leaked it on YouTube early, and then I watched it again when it aired, and I was like, man, you know who's a really good actor is like Jason Mitchell. I like that dude a lot. Like, he was really good in Straight Outta Compton. Like, he's been good in everything I've seen him in. And Looking at his Wikipedia, I was like, oh, yeah, he's in Mudbound. And then I saw that he was in Detroit, and I hadn't seen either one of those movies. No, Detroit, no. <laughs> so, like, so I watched, um, so I watched, I watched Detroit, and then I watched Mudbound. So I watched, I'm like, first I gotta watch this dude's little brother die on this show. That's sad. Then I watched Detroit, and he gets shot in the back, like, 20 minutes into the movie. <laughs> and then I watched Mudbound, and all the horrible shit that happens to him in Mudbound happened, and I was like, why not do this to myself? This is, like... It just reminded me that if you like black performers and you like black film, that uh, you're in order to watch their work, you are always opening yourself up to like, it, you know, if you really like a certain white actor, you can probably find 10 movies where he just meets a girl and falls in love and that's it. Or he like fights the bad guy and that's it. But if you're really like a black performer, 90% of the movies you see them in, they're going to like die miserably 
or some racist stuff's gonna happen to them. Like it's really exhausting. So True. you yeah, so, you, you you watch too much at, at the same time. I should have mixed it up or something. So like for me, like Mudbound, I was like up until like the last act, I was this is just a really well made movie and it's just like it's pretty well written and, and I was like digging it. And then like the ending happened and I was like, man, I didn't need to end my night on this. So, but you know, it's interesting. I think Mudbound's a really well-made film and I totally understand the narrative about D Reese being snubbed because like, I can't think of another movie in recent memory that showed how talented a filmmaker is. Like, I think everyone already knew she was talented, but like, that's a movie that's just like, it's so assertive in showing like her uh, versatility and like her, just her skill level. And you know, uh, there's definitely always like a racial element to that type of thing. Um, you know, cause it's like, well, a black man and a white woman are nominated for best director, but not the black woman. Um, but I do also sort of believe that if that movie had come out through a traditional studio and not Netflix, that she would have had a stronger chance. You know what True. I mean? I think, I think it's, I think it's the Netflix thing. Cause like Meyerwood stories is like, I think the best movie you know about back has made in like years. It's like, Adam Sandler's performance is like amazing in it. I'm surprised he didn't get like a nomination. Like everything about the movie, it's so well written. It's funny. It's, it's well, sh- everything about it to me is like perfect. And like, you don't see anybody talking about it. And it's like, well, it came out on Netflix, like 150 other fucking movies. Nobody cares about. I think that like, I think that there's a little bit of a tangent, but I think that when like Chris Nolan and like all the like film purists complain about Netflix and they complain about it not being on 35 millimeter and not being blown up on a big screen, I don't think that's the problem with Netflix. I think the problem with Netflix is that there's just so much like if you go to the multiplex in one week, there's like a finite number of movies to choose from. You know, there's like 10 or 15 movies out. Um, when you look at the amount of stuff that Netflix dumps onto that fucking site, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it, there's so much material that like nothing stands out no matter how good it is. Cause chances are you're watching it in between a show and another movie. Like there's just, it's not, nothing on there is given room to breathe. And, um, I think that's why, you know, uh, I mean, obviously there's also in terms of awards recognition studios are like, you know, hate hate Netflix. <laughs> so like, it's going to get ignored for that reason by like awards, uh, uh, bodies. But I think just people in general and like critics and stuff like, you know, I don't, I don't think about movies. I see on Netflix the way I do about movies. I have to go see, you know, um, if I watch something on Netflix, even if it's good, there's always a part of me that feels like this is just like filler. Yeah. I think that I had the benefit of seeing Mudbound on a screen in the, um, black people, Smithsonian, yeah, <laughs> I can never, I'm never going to be able to say that whole thing. So the like, National Museum of African American History, the culture, whatever. Yeah, like yeah. so. Yeah, like they had a screening there, and D. Reese was there, and um, oh, nice. Garrett, like it was, a, it had like a little talk afterwards, and so like I had, the, I had the benefit of seeing it large, and I was like, yo, this film is something. But you hit, you hit, you do hit a nail on the head, and I also think the that. Like you look at Amazon and Amazon always does this thing where they'll put it out in theaters and they'll wait two months. And then if you have mm-hmm. Amazon prime, you can watch it at home. But like, you have to go to the theaters to see it first. And then you see Bezos at every award show. Like, Hey, you're going to vote my shit in. Like you're going to, you're going to look me in the face and tell me why you won't <laughs> vote my amazing film into, into, into these awards. I think, I think, I think that's smart. Cause I mean, when, when Netflix first started, like when they had, um, what was it? Like the first big one they had it was like beasts of, uh, 
Beast of No Beast Nation. Of no Nation. Yeah, like you know, Beast of No Nation came on Netflix and opened uh, in art house theaters the same day. You know. Yeah. And um, I remember I was still working at Art House Theater at the time it opened. It opening night, like, uh, <laughs> it, it did, like, okay business. Not, like, you know, strong business. But a lot of people didn't even realize they could have watched it on Netflix. Like, I remember a guy came out of that movie, and uh, some girl told him it was already on Netflix. And he just, like, pissed off. He was like, you mean I had to put on pants for this, and I didn't have to? Like, he couldn't <laughs> believe he came to see a movie that he could have watched in his, in his bedroom. But, you know, that was a movie... I, another movie I think I would have liked more if I'd seen it on the big screen, you know, just, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm personally a big proponent of watching movies on my laptop, uh, in bed. Like I'm, I'm not like a purist, <laughs> like I didn't see Dunkirk until it was available digitally. And I watched it on my like piece of shit, hundred dollar HP computer that has like a 480p screen or whatever. <laughs> like I watched that movie and like if Christopher Nolan was in the room watching me watch, he would have beat me with a stick, you know, He'd be like, so mad at you. <laughs> like he would have hated me, but I'm like, man, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> like To me, I'm, I'm so much more into like uh story and stuff. So like, I don't, I, I'm not, there are certain films that like I absolutely must see on a big screen. Like I'm not going to like watch that on a computer, but uh, most stuff I don't mind. I'm not like a purist like that, but I do think there's, I think, I think there's a real problem. And I think that, um, I think it's cool that I think Netflix is ideal for a lot of the kind of independent films that aren't going to have, uh, that aren't going to get screen space at most theaters. You know what I mean? Movies that people are not going to get to see in their town unless it's on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, but if we are going to start getting into the world, the like, you know, Cloverfield paradox and stuff just dropping on Netflix, like a Beyonce album. That's kind of weird. It seems weird to waste $55 million on a movie. That's like supposed to be a big sci-fi thing that no one without an expensive TV is going to watch properly. I I, I know that. I know that movie dropped because of like, you know, it not being good and the studio dumping it. But going forward, I really hope that Netflix doesn't get into the habit of being like, yeah, I'm going to spend a hundred million dollars to make this big spectacle that you are most likely going to watch on your phone on a bus. <laughs> you mean like bright? Yeah. Yeah. Like bright. Like, uh, which is, I know we were talking about best movies of the year, but bright was like so bad. I thought it was like impressive. Like I was like, that's gotta be kind of, I mean, it's hard to make a good movie, right? Uh, but it's also hard to make a spectacularly bad movie. I think it's really easy to make something that's mediocre. I think it's really easy to make something that is just not special or original or interesting. But when you make something that's like actively terrible, that that takes like a, a special kind of skill. And I think that that's what Bright was. You you got facts there, bro. I was I blame myself. I'm like, why didn't I cut it off? <laughs> like, why did I continue? Like, why did I watch the whole thing? Like, what? What was I doing? Like, why did I sit through this? Like, I can't, I'm not even mad at nobody who made the movie who was in it. I'm like, yo, I sat and watched the whole thing, bro. Like, I watched it. I watched it in 4K, bro. I watched it in 4K. Like, I got, I paid the extra money Netflix. I get the Super Ultra 4K for my 4K TV, and I'm sitting, I'm in the clearest so you can clarity. Be down in high resolution, yeah. I'm like, bro, and I sat through the whole thing, and I, I was ashamed of myself. I'm like, I can't really be mad at nobody but myself, but that movie trash. Um, um, do you think that the Post and Dunkirk just got in because they felt obligated to? Because they're giving nothing to those films. You know, I think the posts of Dunkirk are, uh, I liked Dunkirk. I liked it. I was not crazy about it. 
Obviously, Christopher Nolan would tell me it was because I watched it on my computer and not on that screen, but that has nothing to do with it. Um, I, I just didn't. Dunkirk was a movie that I, I was I was impressed by on a technical level where I was like, OK, I get what he's going for here. I understand it and I applaud it, but I don't give a shit like, uh, you know, sometimes you see a movie like that. You're like, I get it. I, I, it's not like it's over my head or something like I totally understand what's happening, but it's just, it's just, it just it isn't connecting with me. And maybe that's something that's my fault. Maybe it's just, I mean, and not every movie is for everybody. And I've been a Christopher Nolan fan for like, you know, since like Memento, you know what I mean? Like I remember Memento came out, I was like obsessed. So, uh, but Dunkirk is like the least Dunkirk's the first time I didn't go out of my way to see one of his movies opening weekend. Dunkirk. I was like, I'll see that whatever, you know, I didn't give a shit. I had like a one day window where I was interested in seeing it on 70 millimeter. And then something came up and I was like, whatever. Like, you know, I, uh, I think, I think it definitely deserves all the award nominations it's got. I think it's definitely in the conversation for best picture for certain people. I think it's cool that Nolan got a best director nomination for the first time ever. Um, but me personally, I'm no longer interested in Christopher Nolan, like big filmmaker, you know, like, the guy who has to justify how much money he's spending of Warner brothers. Yeah. I would much rather see him do something small again or something like interesting. Uh, and then the post man. So I watched the post twice. Uh, and I, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I mean, I, I was, it was one of the ones I was most excited to see cause I'm a big Spielberg fan and I like newspaper shit and it has a really good cast. But I didn't think it was better than spotlight. Really? I, I thought it was like, kind of like spotlight, but more visually interesting, I guess, but it just didn't, I don't know. I think if it wasn't for the fact that like we all uh, are sick of Trump and that we all want to rally around journalism as a whole, I think that movie doesn't have a lot going for it. Really. It's like so much of what powers uh, the post is like, man, journalism uh, is really being like shit on in in the world right now, all over the place. And it's kind of cool to have like, Steven Spielberg wake up one day and be like, I'm going to make a movie about that and have it out like nine months later. I like that. I like that this billionaire uh, filmmaker, it has the power to like do that, to just like call up Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep and be like, yo, we're about to, we're about to fix this shit. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but also though, because of that, it just doesn't feel like a real movie. It feels like a, a if, you know, uh, Seth Myers just did that like newspaper movie parody on his, on his late night show. Oh, I didn't see that. That sounds. Funny. It's like a little. I didn't actually watch it either. I just saw the thumbnail on YouTube. But I, I, I know pretty much what it's going to be. You know, it's like a parody of like Spotlight and the Post and all the President's Men and stuff. But I also feel like the Post is just that. I feel like the Post is like a two-hour, you know, uh, uh, painting of a newspaper movie. It's just like it hits all the right beats and stuff, and it looks great, and it's a relevant subject. The ending is corny as shit. But uh, it's like a good it's like a I mean, I guess you can call it a feel good movie, except it didn't even really make me feel that good. It was just like. It just felt like it was just kind of there, you know, and uh, I really wanted to love it. I was really looking forward to it, but I feel like those are two movies that like. I feel like a lot of typical Oscar type stuff is going to start getting overlooked a little bit for the next year or two Mm -hmm. to make space for movies that people actually give a shit about. But uh, when that typical Oscar shit is coming from like Steven Spielberg and Christopher Nolan, I think you have to kind of give it a pass. Like, yeah, like, all right. All right. We're not going to give a million awards to Darkest Hour like we normally would. But, you know, we can't tell Steven Spielberg to go fuck himself. You know, if we got to make space for the 
Peel from Key and Peel, you know, we'll, we'll cut some people out, you know, but not not like Joe Wright can go sit in the corner, but not Spielberg. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, and that's what it just feels like. It seems like they put these movies in. Like I'm putting my mind in 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 the same type of idea. If I was a if I was a voter in the academy, mm-hmm. like oh oh it's Steven Spielberg. Oh, of course it's great. Um. Oh, it's Christopher Nolan. I know it's great. He's always complaining about film. He's fighting against Netflix. Like, check. Like, because no one's talking about those films. It's just like, oh my God, three billboards. Oh my God, Shape of Water. He's finally going to get his best director. Like, yeah, yeah, the conversation, there's not, I think the problem is there's not much conversation to be had about Dunkirk or The Post. I think that, like, any conversation about the post just turns into a conversation about Trump. So like that's neutralized. And then I think any conversation about Dunkirk, it's just, um, like the only way I can describe Dunkirk is like Christopher Nolan making a huge giant world war two movie was going to be a hit regardless. Like even if that movie fucking sucked, like you mean Mm -hmm. to tell me all of America was not going to go see Christopher Nolan rehash their favorite war ever <laughs> like yeah. you know what i'm saying like that was a that was a slam dunk from from the start he could have like this could have been his like worst movie ever and like personally it's probably my second least favorite movie of his you know and it's not necessarily because it's a bad movie it's just i didn't i didn't feel anything for it i mean to me it's like i guess it's better than the dark knight uh rises and uh i don't I don't think it's better than Insomnia, and I know I'm probably in the, like the minority on that one. I really like Insomnia a lot, but yo, Insomnia uh, fucked with me personally. Like, I won't, <laughs> I'll, like I won't go to Alaska because of that movie. I'm like, bro, like it have no. If I go in the wrong time, they have no nighttime. I can't sleep. Have you seen Insomnia? Oh my god, I can't. Like I've had nightmares about not being able to go to sleep, bro. Like. That's how much insomnia fucked me up. Like, <laughs> I, I like the idea that insomnia fucked you up more than like thirty days of night. Like it being nighttime all the time is normal, but like <laughs> the sun never going away is like not healthy. No, like thirty days of night is like oh that's some comic book shit. Like whatever. But like yeah. you mean I can't go to like I can't go to sleep when the sun gets up now. What do you mean it never goes down? This is the worst place ever. I can never go. Real. Uh, that's, that's the realest of talk. Like I. I would never watch that movie again. <laughs> I remember it was really amazing, when it though. came out because I was already kind of in the bag for Nolan because of Memento and stuff. But like Insomnia is the type of movie that if Christopher Nolan had, had made a movie like Insomnia this year, even if it was like better than Insomnia was, that would not be in a conversation for Oscars because it's like it's like a procedural. It's like a cop movie. It's like a psychological thriller. You know, uh, it's rare that that type of stuff gets recognized. And uh this year, there's a few movies, you know, where you're like, oh, that's that's like a not typical Oscar shit. That's cool. You know, like, uh, I mean, obviously, for every bit, every best picture nominee, there's like a, a similar film that's been nominated before, you know, like uh, Lady Bird, I guess, is like similar to Juno, even though I think it's considerably better. Um, Shape of Water. Well, I don't think any movies about people fucking fish monsters have been nominated before, but, nope. you know, it's like a romance, you know, it's like a, like a. 50s throwback and stuff so that's kind of it kind of makes sense but i mean uh what get out is one of the only like i can't what's what's, what's the last horror movie to be nominated for like best picture like sounds of the lambs that's the only one that pops up in my head i can't think of anything else that you know like, like an actual horror movie that like you got jump scares and 
Yeah, you know, it's wild because, like, I don't really care who wins. I mean, I, I think every year I care a little bit less, which is freeing. Um, like, in the best in the best director category, like, anyone, whoever wins, I'm, like, cool with. Like, I, like even if Christopher Nolan wins, I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's, like, his time. Like, he's been, he's been shafted before. Uh, if, if Greta Gerwig wins, I think that'd be great. I think, I think, I think that's sort of like who I'm really pulling for. If Jordan Peele won, that'd be cool as shit. I mean, I can't, can't believe we live in a world where that's a possibility. Paul Thomas Anderson, if he won, that's great. He's super talented. One of my favorite filmmakers. If Guillermo, like, it's just like, it's, it's one of the first years where like, I only have one movie. I don't want to win things. (laughs) Like if any. If anything that isn't three billboards wins, I'm happy. Like I'm rooting for, you know, like what uh, Issa Rae was at the awards. She said she's rooting for everybody black. I'm rooting for everybody that didn't make three billboards. Word. Word. So like anyone else. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of rooting for Guillermo because I want that his little clique to all have an Oscar for best director. Oh yeah, yeah. He, uh, so he can stop being the only dude in the in the Holy Trinity. Yeah, like these, like yo, the Mexican trio, like they all got one, like they all beast mode. I'm like, yo, that's dope. It's like you know, it's like when you watch wrestling and you always root for the luchador. Like, yeah, I want him to win. Like, I got, I don't know who it is. It could be the Rock, but it's like, yo, I got Rey Mysterio. I got, I just want him to win, bro. He got a bad score. <laughs> like that's me with Guillermo. It's like, yo, he. It's, it's the creature from the Black Lagoon in the love story. Like I, I need this. To, like I, like I, I just want him to eat. Like he, he's worked so hard. It, it would be, it, it would be so cool too, because it's like not only would he win, but he would win for a movie that is like so him. Yes, you know what I mean. It wouldn't be like him winning by like compromising his values. Like a movie about uh, uh, uh like a mute girl that falls in love with a fucking fish monster is like the most. That sounds like a parody of what he would be making. You know what I'm saying? Like it sounds like a like a joke of what Guillermo del Toro does. It ends up being like uh, arguably his best movie next to like Blade Two. It sounds like what he was playing for like uh, Hellboy Three. Like for um, shoot, I can't think of the character. Uh, oh, Abe Sapien. Yeah, when I first right? saw the, <laughs> when I saw the uh, when I saw that fucking the trailer, I was like, is this just a like Hellboy fan fiction? That just looks like Abe Sapien. But then I realized it was more of a creature of the Black Lagoon thing. But I mean, if this had been uh, the third Hellboy movie and Hellboy just wasn't in it, I don't think anybody would have cared. It's, I know, it's like, good. Eh, Abe Sapien finally got his movie. Yeah, but yeah man like um yeah i don't know if i'm actually actively rooting for anything for best picture like i would love to see get out win even though i know it's not gonna win Mm. we're gonna go through another crash year where like crash really didn't deserve to win but it won because it made white people feel great so i think three billboards might sneak in there because you know what's weird it's it's like i I get the comparisons from three billboards to crash because they both suck but um you know, Crash definitely probably made a lot of white people feel woke and interesting and 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 and, and better than they are. Uh, but I don't know what Three Billboards makes people feel like. I don't like. I know what it made me feel. It made me feel like a like an idiot for watching it. But I don't know what other people who liked it get out of it. You know what I mean? Like, I get I get what people get out of Dunkirk. I get what people get out of the Post. Like every movie. I even get what people get out of Darkest Hour. Even though that movie was probably the worst best picture nominee we have right now. Um, <laughs> like I hate it. I, 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 I had a lot of strong feelings about three billboards, obviously, but like darkest hour, I was just like, why did this get made? Who gives a shit? Like who wanted this movie? I don't every, know. every year British people got to have a fucking movie about like one of their people that takes two and a half hours and tell us some simple shit. Like, I, I just don't, I just I don't, don't understand get it. that. Like, I'm like, is it good? Right? Like his performance is good. 
But is his? Is it? Is it though? It's, no, <laughs> no, it's like my thing is like, is it better than John Lithgow in the Crown though? Like, like, yeah, really, no, like, is true. he really the best? Like, he's not even the best version of Winston Churchill. <laughs> like <laughs> on screen in 2017, he's not even the best Winston Churchill. Like. If if I had to rank every Gary Oldman performance, I wouldn't even put this in like the top ten. I don't know if I put it in the top twenty. You know what I mean? Like, like, of course. Like, I think I have the Jamaican dude in True Romance up there, pretty (laughs) in the top five. (laughs) I got my man from Fifth Element. Like, yeah, way higher. I mean, it just I don't know. That was the movie that I I I watched. It was the only it was the only Best Picture nominee I watched because it was the only one I hadn't seen. I was like, I'm gonna watch this just because I haven't, and I'll see what the fuss is about. And within like 20 minutes, I was like, Why the fuck am I doing this? Like, who? Why? Like, I, 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 I try not to go in with like a negative intention. You know what I mean? So I, I try to be open minded for movies, even if they look shitty. But there was like nothing in that movie that did it for me. I mean, I like, I like the way Joe Wright uh, frames things. I like the way he moves people around uh, in the frame. And I think that, like, I think he, you know, he's he's not, you know, he's not an untalented director. It's just he tends to direct movies I don't have any interest in seeing. And this was one of them. And. uh I don't understand how Gary Oldman is like winning best actor at every award show this season when like this is a year where there were a ton of other good. It's not like, you know, sometimes there's a year where like it's one dude who obviously is far ahead of the pack. But this year, like Dan Day Lewis in Fan Thread is like his last movie ever. And he's like 10 times the actor Gary Oldman is. And like um, Robert Pattinson in Good Time, like this, this kid is like completely rehabilitated his image over the last like five years and like, we're not going to give him a nomination. Like, um, it's just, it's such typical Oscar shit. It's just like, if you are an old actor, we've ignored your entire illustrious career and you put on a fat suit and play a historical figure. You can't fuck it up. You know what I mean? Like he could have talked like Tommy was the whole movie. He'd still get a nomination because he's playing Winston Churchill in the movie. It's like, um, it's like when they have women get ugly with no makeup. <laughs> If, you, if yeah. you have a beautiful woman and they get ugly, oh, oh, you about to get this nomination. You might win this 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 Oscar. So, yeah, it's it's. A, I think that's that's a trope. Like, uh, I mean, Charlize Theron's performance in Monster is very good, but you know her performance in Young Adult is also great. Mm. That she still she still looked like herself in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think uh, making a woman you know have to look like you know traditionally unattractive. Is a big one, and I think uh, you know playing a historical figure is a big one. My personal favorite, though, is funny person not being funny. Is like comedic actor being moderately serious, and people just lose their shit. Like I can't fucking believe this comedian is being a serious actor. It's like it's easier though. Like (laughs) people don't respect comedy at all. Never. I mean, um, yeah. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks since the '90s has been like, like it's funny because I think you could tell a, you could talk to kids like you know like Tom Hanks was like the funniest dude on earth for like a good five years, and they would look at you oh, like yeah. you're crazy because it's like, what do you mean he's just in boring serious movies all the time? I'm like, yo, Joe versus the volcano all day, kid. Like, <laughs> like he was the guy. <laughs> now he's just serious, likable guy, but. Which is fine. I That's mean, fine, he's, he's, he's doing his Hanks. Jimmy Stewart thing, but like, yeah, he's he's got great comic timing still, and he's just a uh, man. I rewatched uh, during the movie Charlie Wilson's War with him, uh, the Aaron Sorkin. 
You like that movie? No, I love it. Oh, yo, 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 yo. I'm sorry. I thought, it sounded like you said, fuck that movie. That no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I, I tell people, like, all right, you want to see some movies to low-key can put you up on game? It's like, yo, Charlie Wilson's War will put you on game on the fucked up shit of Afghanistan back in the day. That's a strong movie. I like, um, you know, oh, wait, that it reminds me. Uh, Aaron Sorkin wrote that. Aaron Sorkin did Molly's Game. Molly's yeah. Game is one, like, in my top five. I, uh... That's a movie that I totally loved, even though it has a lot of problems. Um, I watched it. Uh, I, I loved it. Like, I thought it was just like everything I want from a movie uh, because I'm a nerd for like talky ass movies. Um, I thought Jessica Chastain was great, too. Like, she was really good in uh, Miss Sloan, uh, which I think was last year. Like, I feel yeah, like Jessica Chastain came out earlier in the year and then she came out with a movie like at the end of the year. Yeah, I think she gets kind of like a. She was kind of typecast as just being like, you know, well, we need a strong woman like who just is firm and serious. And Jessica Chastain's really good at that. But she's she's really talented. And I thought that uh, I think Molly's Game is a movie that literally is built around her her talent, <laughs> you know, um, and she's probably going to lose to Frances McDormand, who, again, oh, great actress, great actress. But like in a movie where she's kind of like, I mean, it's. <sighs> I think she's doing really good work in the movie, but it's like, is is it demonstrably better than any other great Francis McDormand performance? You know, it's just like she's 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 just really good. That's what she yeah. does. Like, uh, I don't know. I think it's it's weird when you get into that Meryl Streep category where you're so good that like people don't give a shit how good you are anymore. Like Meryl Streep is very talented. But most of the time, I don't care. I'm like, yeah, this is. This is what I expected. This is good. This is great. Like she does this every year, forever. Yeah, I, I kind of wish like they would be inter. They should do do something interesting and just like put her against the dudes. Like Meryl Streep is actually better than like all the men, but like they keep with her over here. It's like you know she low key like the actual best actor alive, right? Like, but like you keep like that's you know what's funny is I think that like Meryl Streep uh, uh, to me some of her best performances are in movies that aren't very good. Oh, like they tell me to shoot the rocker? Did you see the one where she was like the the Asian yeah, rock star? Yeah, yeah. I Yo. just watched that. Uh, I watched that a couple weeks ago for the first time. Like yeah, that was movie good. was like okay, but she was amazing in it. And like you know, uh, or um, Florence Foster Jenkins was a movie I thought was going to be stupid, but like she is hilarious in that movie. Like I laughed way harder at that movie than I did most comedies that year. Um, even though it's you know typical Oscar shit, it was hilarious yeah. and like she was good. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, she's good in the post. I thought I thought her performance had some really cool moments. Dude, I'm I didn't think Tom Hanks was very good in the post. I thought he was like just there. I thought that was kind of weird. He probably it was like just a waste. There. He probably was. It just felt like, okay. Like I'm here. It felt like a waste to Tom Hanks. I feel like if you Tom Hanks brings certain things to the table, and if you don't have him do those things, why is he there? Mm-hmm. Like uh, that could have been Michael Keaton. Like if Michael Keaton wasn't already in the spotlight, he could have just done that, and that would have been fine. <laughs> I'm I'm calling it now. Tom Hanks's uh movie where he's gonna play Mr. Rogers is gonna be nominated for best actor whenever year it comes to- Oh, of course. Yeah. There's that's that's a that's a layup. Like that's uh that's pretty it's too easy. He's gonna give that speech he gave to Congress in that movie about like Yeah, yeah I was just thinking about that. Yes, <laughs> I was just right. thinking that's gonna be the real. That's gonna be the the little for your considerations uh a bit. I can see it. I can see it. Yo, I wasn't expecting um, Denzel to get in. Almost like Denzel got in because of Me Too and nobody rocking with um, 
my man in the disaster artist right now. Oh, Franco. Yeah. Franco. You know, I, I don't, I mean, obviously, you know, Franco's a, a scumbag, but like, I thought that Franco was going to get in. Cause I thought the disaster artist as a movie, I liked it a lot less than I expected to, but I think Franco's performance was really, was really strong. Um, and I feel like, I mean, I like his performance better than did Gary Oldman's. Um, so, uh, I, I think Denzel got in because like Denzel was in a movie that didn't work. And the parts of it that worked only worked because Denzel is so good. Yeah, he holds the whole movie. Um, and, but you know what though? I, I I think I said this on Twitter. I think that uh, Roman J Israel would be like ninety times the movie it was if it was Sam Jackson and not Denzel. Because the whole time, I think Denzel was really good in the role, but the whole time I was aware of Denzel playing a character. You know what I mean? Like Denzel, like, like I, I was aware of the astronomical effort it took for him to be that swaggerless. Like <laughs> I could feel him trying to contain his Denzelness to play this character. <laughs> so, it, so it was distracting. You know what I mean? Like I read the script and I like the script, even though it has a lot of structural problems and um, Denzel the whole time. I was like, man, you're good in this, but I can see you like working you know what i mean i can see you at work doing this i can feel you acting whereas if we look at that character on paper uh yells a lot has a weird haircut um that's the sam jackson role like that's <laughs> i mean like if no one had ever told me denzel was going to be in that movie when i read the script i would have assumed it was for sam jackson because uh everything about that is some shit that he does in his sleep but no one really respects sam jackson because he doesn't seem to respect himself uh you yeah, know, uh, if Sam Jackson, guess, yeah, yeah, they just seem to be if like, Sam, he does every job. He just, yeah, if Sam Jackson only did like one movie a year and he just picked the best of the movies he normally would do, everyone would recognize that he's like one of the best alive. But because he'll be in like movies about snakes on a plane and sharks and shit, like people don't take him seriously. And uh, which is sad because he's, I think he's just as talented as Denzel Washington. I think Sam's also more versatile. I think he can do more things. Um, I'd like to see Sam Jackson get an Oscar sometime, you know, like that'd be cool. I don't know for what, I guess he got to wait around for Quentin to put him in another movie. Hey, yeah. What was the next one supposed to be? Um, some, some fucked up thing. Um, <laughs> it's Charles, Charles Manson, right? The yeah. Charles Manson it'll, thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it, it sounds like it's supposed to be like, well, I guess insiders are comparing it to being like Pulp Fiction, but set in 1969, the weekend of the Manson murders. So, Maybe there's a role for Sam Jackson to curse a lot in the background or something or complain about burgers. I don't know. Wait, um, Shannon Tate died that weekend, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think the rumor is that Margot Robbie is playing her. But who going to play, play Quincy Jones who said, like, yo, I, I was supposed to go over, the week, over there that weekend and shit, I, I did. <laughs> Maybe uh, Lorenz Tate can reprise his, his Quincy from, uh, from Ray. Why not? Well, he should just be playing Quincy Jones all the time now because a he hasn't aged and he can just play Quincy up until making thriller or bad. He can, yeah, let's go. Lorenz tape. That should be a mini series. Like somebody put that on like Lorenz tape, Quincy Jones. Let's go. That's, a, that's an easy one. So that's just, let, let's make it happen. Like if, if I only have money, power, influence, oh man, I'll be Hollywood making deals right now. It's like, we need to get this Quincy movie out right now. <laughs> You have a phone to slide in someone a post-it note that says Lorenz Tate is Quincy Jones and then just like shooting them at the room. <laughs> Come back with Lorenz Tate in the script. <laughs> Call Jamie. He's like, you want to you want to produce this, Jamie Foxx? We need to get this popping. 
<laughs> Yo, speaking of Margot Robbie, what did you think of Itonia? Um. Yo, it was kind of weird. Like, I thought they did a lot of really good comedic work. Mm. That just like it felt like all caricature. It didn't feel yeah. real, but it felt entertaining. Yeah, it was. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I didn't like it a lot. I thought Margot Robbie was really good. Um, I did not think that uh, Allison Janney was that good. I know that people are loving her and she's won all these awards, but I thought that like this is like Laurie Metcalf's year, and I guess it's not. Uh, I thought Laurie Metcalf was so great in Lady Bird. I thought Allison Janney was just like. I'm not a big fan of performances in general. They're just like this whole performance is just that I'm mean and I curse. Like it's not, I'm not a character. I'm just, I'm mean and I swear a lot. And it's like, that's not, that's not a character. It also just seemed like a, uh, like a weird, uh, for whatever reason, Allison Jane has reminded me so much of JK Simmons and whiplash. Mm. Um, and if the whole movie was just her and, and her daughter, then I can see it because there'd be more room for her to do other stuff. Other than but because she's in a, yeah, yeah, because she's in a supporting role, she's just like if if Whiplash, if J.K. Simmons was only in it for like ten minutes, yelling and cursing like that, it'd be really boring. Yeah, that performance is so interesting because you see all these other layers and like stuff, and and, uh, and there's like complexity to it. Balance and Jane is popping up to be like cursing and like being mean to her daughter, and I was like, this is just draining. This isn't like impressive to me. Um, Lori Metcalf surprised me because I didn't get it was her until like an hour into the movie. For real? I was like, oh, oh shit, that's Roseanne's sister. I was like, oh my god, because you know, you know, Roseanne's coming back. I'm getting hyped. She was on that little that little TV show on HBO with the nurses with, and, and, and I was sitting there. I was like, yo, I know the mom, but yo, what's damn? And then I was like, oh shit. Damn, yo, she really acted her ass off in this. I was like, yo, like to me, I, ever, I like her in the movie. To me, she makes the film for me because, like, I got yeah, no, it's, it's so much about that relationship between the daughter and the mother, and she's just so so good. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, you holding this together and her dynamic with her husband in the movie. Like, yo, she gotta be bad cop all the time. Like, I was like, damn, like okay, I think that's why I'll defend that movie because I'm like, yo, low key is like. Lori Metcalf was is kind of killing it, and she kind of yeah she she's. I think I think every year uh, we get a little bit more tired of like quirky twee indie movies about white people um, because it's just like how many different ways can you be weird? But I think that Lady Bird in some cases is getting like uh, unfairly lumped in with that kind of movie. You know what I mean? Like people, I see people comparing it to like Juno, A Little Miss Sunshine, and stuff, and I'm like, I don't think so. I think it's like. I think it's so much better than any other movie like that. I think it's so powerful. Um, it's so well made. It's so well written. It's so well paced. Well edited. Like everything about that movie is like, I have like zero complaints. Very rarely do I watch a movie and not have anything that I wish was different. You know, but Lady Bird, I was just like, nah, it's, this, this is good. This, yep. You got it right. Um, I, I do like how it's a good, it's a good coming of age film. And, yeah, and coming of age movies are really easy to just fuck up because you've seen a million of them. Yeah, you know it's such a it's such a, a thing you've already seen, and Lady Bird just feels new and alive and interesting, and like I don't know, it's a it's 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 beautiful. It's like a really really good movie. Um, I think that like something that happens a lot at the Oscars that I always sort of hate is like there'll be a year where someone uh, does like really amazing work. 
and you know they're never going to get another role like this. You know, like Lori Metcalf is very talented, but she's not going to get another role as perfect for her as her role in Lady Bird, right? Um, and she's not going to win because it's going to be like Alice and Janney's year. When in reality, Alice and Janney probably has another few chances left. You know, like yep. she she's an actress that you know she gets around a little bit. It makes me think about when Mickey Rourke was in The Wrestler. And like mm. Mickey Rourke is never going to get another role that good. We knew that going in. We knew this is like the last fucking hurrah for this dude. It's the best work he's done in his entire career. He's never going to get another role this good. And we gave the award to fucking Sean Penn. And uh, that always fucks me up. I always hate to see that. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's like uh, I think the first time I ever thought about that was like when I was younger and Bill Murray was in Lost in Translation. And like, I don't, I don't really give a shit about that movie now. Like it, it doesn't really hold up for me or whatever. But like at the time I loved it and I'm like, yo, when is Bill Murray ever going to play like a leading role like this again, where he can win like an award, you know, like, wait a minute. Did he lose to Sean Penn that year too? Yeah. Sean Penn got awards. I don't, I don't what the fuck Sean Penn. Like it was like for me, for Bill Murray, I always rocked with him in Unbroken flowers, like broken flowers was, I was sitting back like, Oh yeah, that was really good. You know, back in the early days of when it was hard to steal movies on the internet, and I had to get that joint because there was no way that I don't even think that joint opened where I could even get to it that year. And I saw that joint, and I was like, "Bro, like I've never seen Bill Murray. Like, like Lost in Translation was good, but you still kind of funny, Bill Murray. But that Broken Flowers, I was like, oh. And then I was like, the first time I actually noticed Tilda Swinton acting. I was like, oh, shit. Like, oh, she's fantastic. And then, like, I was like... Yo. Oh, yeah. Tilda Swinton is, like, undefeated. Uh, she hasn't won, Strange. has she, right? Has she, has she won an Oscar? She Didn't she win for Michael Clayton? Or am I imagining that? She might. I think she might have won. Because I'm going to say, because if not, she's going to get her um, Gary Oldman appreciative Oscar soon enough because she'll be transforming into people. Sean Penn really did beat Bill Murray that year. So, basically, both of my examples... Of someone being fucked over, they were fucked over by by Sean Penn. So was it Dead Man Walking or I Am Sam? It was no, it was uh, Mystic River. Oh yeah, that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Fuck Sean Penn. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's Hollywood hypocrisy on his ear because he's like, oh, this is the dude that used to beat Madonna, right? Oh, but he's all good now. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you remember? Remember when Sean Penn? Uh, I, I remember uh, when The Revenant came out. I really hated that movie, like hardcore. That was like, like my crusade for the year. A lot of people do. I hated it. I hated it hard. And uh, I remember, like, I was there was a point where I was thinking about seeing it again to try to like give it another chance. Where I was like, you know, this movie, maybe I just didn't like it. Whatever, I'll give it another shot. And then I saw like this thing with Sean Penn praising the movie and defending it, and I was like, doubled down. I was like, no, fuck this movie. And fuck Sean Penn. <laughs> I'm never gonna watch this movie again. Yo, uh, yo Tom Hardy is such a great bad guy in that movie. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's the, the best. Okay, Tom, Tom Hardy is the best thing in that movie because he kind of talks like Stone Cold Steve Austin the whole time. Um, and uh, I think I think that's kind of like the only thing I like about it. But just Larry Caprio crawling through like the snow and shit. I was like, he, no, thank you. It's it's so, it's so allegorical. He we he gets born again so many times in the film. To survive, right? Like I like I watched that shit three times. So like after three times, I was like, "All right, I see what you're doing. All right, I fucks with you." I think if 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 Leo hadn't gotten the Oscar for that movie, his next movie he would have been playing like 
Zazaz from Batman, and this would have been nothing but shots him actually cutting his body up. <laughs> like, you know, he would he would have done he would have done some drastic shit to, yeah. to get that award. So I'm glad that uh, the the Academy realized for his safety it was best to to just, give him for that film. Just give King, just old man, stop being mad. He lives better lives than you. Like, come on, <laughs> like it's, it's okay. Like, it's I really okay. thought that uh, I thought that after he won that he would he would like stop trying. I thought that he'd get that award. And then immediately we'd hear like Leonardo DiCaprio has been cast in a Warner Brothers superhero movie. You know what I mean? I figured he would just like give up and start doing goofy shit. Um, I would love to see Leonardo DiCaprio like play Dark Side or some dumb shit. Uh, just oh, because he can please, now. Please put that in the energy. put that in the universe. You don't understand. I'll give that movie an A rating off the strength of Leo the God playing Dark Side. If he does the thumbs down for Final Crisis. Be like, I don't care what any of y'all say. This is my Black Panther, y'all. Y'all don't understand. Like, like, dude. Like, oh, Leo the God. Oh, man. That'd be so perfect. I was thinking about that because, uh, like, you know, Josh Brolin is Thanos, right? And I'm like, well, if the Justice League movie did have Dark Side, like, they'd have to, you'd have to get, like, someone who's like a big deal because like in the Marvel movies, so many of the major car- uh, heroes are played by like, you know, uh, like people that weren't big before they played Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yo, but over here, you got, you got like Ben Affleck. You have to have someone who's like a big, a big name to play dark side. Yeah. And, um, that was all that I could think of. I was like, who would do like weird, interesting stuff with it? I'm like, DiCaprio or I don't know, Andre Brower or something, I guess. They're just doing like a CG body with a voice. Yeah, they would have to. They, you think you know what? No, with the way they're going now, and they're just starting to just like, you know what? The universe shit is all right, but let's also make our random ass movies because, like, yo, oh, Joaquin Phoenix is like a Joker. I'm like, eh, oh, God. That sounds like it's so bad. That like, sounds so like, terrible. I, 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 I can see it. Like, I, you know what? I'll sit through it. Like, mm, okay. Oh, y'all yeah, see it. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, it's it's like with that time when he was talking about he was a rapper and had a beard on. Like, okay, he already did half the movie already. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm gonna go watch. Like, I'll watch it. I'll give it a shot. But yeah, man, I'm um closing up on an hour. I know you got a uh, some some special task for the day. And oh uh, yeah, I gotta go try to see this this movie, this big uh the blackest movie of the millennium the savior for black people because black people never made movies before but I don't want to hate but um but yeah man I want to thank you for coming on the show talk about movies for an hour and you know um hopefully I will see you soon at a a screening definitely man probably you too brother thanks for having me on Hey everybody, me again, and uh, here we have the second half where we have my friends and Washington Film Critics Association members Roxana Haddadi and May Abdulbaki.
Again, we talk about things we like of 2017 film, feelings about the different um, nominees, trashing on three billboards, uh, award ceremonies in general in the Academy, and some of the uh, overlooked films of 2017. And I really hope you enjoyed this whole episode. And talk to you next time. Y'all don't give Iris enough diss. Y'all don't give you the producer just sitting there just taking it all in, like, okay. <laughs> all right. Give it to yeah, me. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right. Well, the more you know, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. One day, you all know, right. I'm thinking like maybe um, you know, maybe when there's like a bunch of Iranian superheroes, maybe uh, yeah, can, right. <laughs> you can feel you can feel you can feel that the how like the entire community gonna be like, yeah, boy. No, I'm isn't sorry. there a TV Julie, show that's Julie? Did you did you misspeak? And were you trying to say terrorists? Because I feel like we're not ever gonna get to superheroes. May, what were you gonna say? Wasn't there I was saying like a, a brown a t- sitcom about like yeah. a brown family fighting crime? I thought so, but I don't think it got picked up. Oh no, because it was totally Middle Eastern family about a yes. superhero family. I feel- yeah, I remember reading about it, and there was that show. And then, do you remember Reza Aslan sold a show to ABC that didn't get picked up either? Was that last season? I think last so. Season yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think there were like two brown people shows that did not get picked up. I think. I think I'll have to. I have to check on the superhero one because I do. Yeah. I feel like that was supposed to be Freeform or something. Yeah, well, the Middle Eastern one was supposed to be, I think they were trying to pitch it to ABC since, like, that's where all the <laughs> right, yes. inclusive shows go. Yes, so this was going to be another ABC show from Larry Wilmore and Bassem Youssef. And the mm-hmm. last, so it got greenlit from ABC in October, but I don't think it has, like, a name or, <laughs> like, there's nothing about it after October 23rd, which must have been when the press release went out. So, oh, yeah. no. so we'll see. I keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. So, since this is going to be my uh, my Oscar show, we're going to talk yes, about well, some we... Oscars. Okay, and let's do it. I want I want to hear what were you guys' uh, actual favorite movies of 2017. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So go forth. And okay, May, you want to go first, or who wants to go first? Wait, I want to know. Wait, wait, wait. Are Julian? Are you also going to share yours? I wasn't planning on. That. I was just planning to moderate. No, no. I want Julian's first. Come on, Julian. <laughs> you can't ask us and then not have your own. Right. Yeah, can ready. It's my, yeah, it's you my can. show. <laughs> no, you can't. They want to hear that's your that's voices. Terrible. They hear mine all the time. <sighs> yeah. It's your show. You should still give your opinion about it, right? Yeah. yeah they know my opinion. That's I hate crap. Marvel. That's it. That's all they need to know. That is not all you thought about the movies of 2017. That is a lie. That is untrue. I will go first, but I fully expect you to have some thoughts. Um, I'm pretty sure that my... I'm trying to think back on like my Wafka votes. And I distinctly remember my top five. And then and I had like some other stuff mixed in. But I think... I'm pretty sure my top five were... Number one was Mudbound, obviously. I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot. Um, number two is Blade Runner 2049, most misunderstood film of last year. Um, my number three 
cup of water, which is what I'm holding out hope for this award season, because I think that is the one that probably will end up having the biggest competition for three billboards. Uh, My number four was Lady Bird, and my number five was The Post. And then six through ten were like a menagerie of Get Out and some other things. So, but those were definitively my top five, which I remember distinctly may what about what about you i'm trying to remember my wafco votes but for the life of me i can't but i remember doing a top 15 for the young folks i think and i definitely had mudbound as number one um i had like coco up there Mm -hmm. ingrid goes west Mm -hmm. um the shape of water i had logan i had obviously get out i had the big sick um, I had Atomic Blonde, I think. I'm trying to find now. I'm trying to find my list because it's going to bother me. But um, I, I had like I Tanya at number ten, which, is, which I still have not seen. I yeah, still have I, not I think seen it's that, that movie. Definitely worth seeing just for Margot Robbie's performance in particular. And I think she's gotten overlooked for a lot of the award stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had. What did I have? I also had Logan. I think the incredible Jessica James was like a great movie. And I think that got overlooked too. Right. Okay. Uh, I found my top 15. May, do you want to find your top 15 and then we'll actually like yeah. them out loud? Okay. I found my top 15. So let me do this again. One Mudbound. two Blade Runner, 2049, three, the shape of water Four lady bird, five, the post six, Logan, seven, get out. Eight, The Big Sick. Nine, Wind River. Ten, Baby Driver. Eleven, War for the Planet of the Apes. Twelve, Ingrid Goes West. Thirteen, John Wick 2. Fourteen, Atomic Blonde. And fifteen, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Nice. Wait, that's a yeah. movie? Yeah. Okay. So my, my number one was Mudbound as well. Mm-hmm. Two was The Shape of Water. Three, I had Coco. Four, Get Out. Five, Wonder Woman. Six was Ingrid Goes West. Seven, Girls Trip. Eight, Lady Bird. Ten, uh, nine was The Big Sick. Ten was I, Tanya. Eleven, Logan. And this got switched around several times, so it's not even like a different yeah. list. Mm-hmm. Twelve is like The Incredible Jessica James. Thirteen, I had Band-Aid, which I saw at Sundance and I think got overlooked as well. Yeah, 14 was Call Me By Your Name and 15 was a toss-up between Thor, Ragnarok, and Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm, okay. No, so, May, do you stand by your list reading it now? Like No, I don't. <laughs> okay. What would you move around? I don't know. I feel like I would put uh, um, Ingrid Goes West higher than mm-hmm. number six for me because I feel like for the Punch Drunk list, I put it in, in my top five. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. How about you? Um, I feel pretty good about my top five. I it's interesting. I feel like the post was the movie that I was most surprised by how much it was ignored this year. Like it's almost become a name of how much it's been annoyed. I lost you. Am I still here? Do you still hear me? Oh, um, I I don't know when you lost me, but I just said I was surprised by how much the post has been ignored by what seems like a lot of the large um, awards contingents, which simultaneously means that there's more attention for things like Lady Bird and Get Out. But still, I feel like it's finally feels like the changing 
of the generations <laughs> where like a Steven Spielberg movie doesn't automatically mean a bunch of nominations. So that's definitely been kind of surprising to watch for me. And then with Mudbound, I mean, I, I feel like we've all, like, we've all shouted about it a lot, like personally to each other, <laughs> but it is still one of those things where I'm like, I, I still can't like you only nominate they did nine movies for best film. You couldn't stick Mudbound in there. Like, how dare you? How right. dare and I, you? I think with that, with that conversation, it's like everyone's overlooked it. Like, yes. not enough critics have been talking about it. It hasn't really been nominated for any awards, mm-hmm. or like maybe a couple, but it's it's still largely not a conversation topic when it comes to awards. Mm-hmm. And I just think. I thought my I would stop getting so annoyed, but I'm still really annoyed. So I feel like when I watch the Oscars, my blood pressure will just rise. <laughs> yes, I agree. Well, and I, w- I would want to ask Julian this because, like, you know, I don't talk to people. But, like, Julian, <laughs> I feel like people always ask you about your movie opinions. So are you getting asked about Mudbound? I remember when we talked about it in October, you weren't. Has it caught on at all or do you feel like it's been mostly forgotten? No, because Netflix puts up new stuff every three days. Mm-hmm. So it definitely gets like overlooked. Like it, it continues to get overlooked. The, it's not on the front page no more. I it's think it's on my front page just because I paradox. keep right. I keep like seeing like I feel like because I gave it a five out of five, it keeps being like, "Do you want to rewatch it?" But <laughs> like, but yeah, with the and this is something that we could talk about also. But like, just the amount of other stuff that they're acquiring and the fact that places like paramount and other studios are kind of just dumping things on netflix because they don't want to deal with them i mean right wasn't cloverfield paradox like paramount yeah, it was a paramount paramount right. and it was paramount and they, right they dumped it for netflix and then annihilation the international screening rights are going to go to netflix because paramount doesn't want to deal with releasing it internationally so i remember seeing a tweet about this but it's so true it's like most indie filmmakers would be thrilled if netflix picked up their project whereas most studios are like this is garbage send it to netflix so like that divide very much is still there it's just also exhausting because i don't think people think of netflix as a place for like like a prestige film so your average netflix viewer isn't gonna watch mudbound on it which again is a major time i think at the same time it's you see these studios dumping things on Netflix, but what it says about Netflix is that they're more willing to take risks with these types of projects versus like the studios where they're just willing to go with dumb shit just because it's going to make them money. Well, I think they are and they aren't because we didn't see any substantial sales out of Sundance this year. Right. Whereas Mudbound was what a $12 million sale for Netflix last year. And like one of the big stories out of Sundance was that like Amazon and Netflix weren't, throwing money around and like showing off their dicks like they did in 2017. So it's one of those things too, where it's like, I think they still haven't entirely figured out how to get movie awards. Amazon somehow is winning all these TV awards for Mm -hmm. shows that I'm never going to watch in my life. (laughs) But like uh, Amazon, I feel like still hasn't cracked the code of it yet. And I think we definitively saw changes like now that the voting body is more diverse. I mean, I think that's what led to nominations for get out and Logan and the big sick. And I think that's all great, but I think we still need more of a change for people to take streaming things seriously. And like, we always hear about various Oscar campaigning. Like I read a lot about how Sandra Bullock was 
hosting viewing parties for Mudbound, and she was throwing her considerable weight behind a project. So I think it's one of those things too, which is unfortunate, but who are your friends in the industry and what are they going to do for you and your project? Right. That's true. And we're also seeing things like in terms of Phantom Thread and then Darkest Hour, like I feel like they feel they owe Gary Oldman an Oscar. Mm. So this is like the performance because this movie is totally Oscar bait. And I say this not even having seen it. (laughs) Well, and it's one of the things, too, where it's like, but it's not just Gary Oldman, right? Like that movie got a lot of nominations that I thought were somewhat unexpected. So it's one of those things, too, where it's like, I think for all of us in D.C., it felt, at least personally for me, it felt like Phantom Thread came out of nowhere because we only had one opportunity to see it and they didn't send out screeners. Right. But it came strong. I got, what, six nominations? I mean, that's pretty That's it pretty did. sizable. Darkest Hour got nominations for Best Picture, got a nomination for Old Men, it got a nomination for Best Cinematography, Best Production Design, Best Makeup, Best Cop. I mean, it got all of those, like, serious World War II war epic nominations, even though, like, dear God, it was one of three Dunkirk movies this year. I mean, it's kind of insane. Yeah. And what's interesting to me, too, is that you see movies like Dunkirk and then Darkest Hour being nominated. But I also feel like these people complain about movies, other types of movies that are being made. And we've we've seen this story before but i feel like that's really the case with world war ii movies you know they're the ones that are totally overdone over and over again and yet we keep seeing them and they keep getting nominated for whatever shit you know well at least but at the same i completely agree but i also feel like at least do something different with it at least dunkirk was different it from a production standpoint is kind of It takes all of Nolan's tricks of different timelines, but it completely rejects character development, I think, for just putting together vignettes of the chaos and in a lot of ways, like soul crushing nature of that day. So that, at least to me, is still more interesting than yet another biopic about Winston Churchill. I don't give a fuck about Winston Churchill as a hero. I don't (laughs) care anymore. Like, that sounds super harsh, but I don't care anymore. (laughs) So like, <laughs> damn. Wow. No, I totally agree. <laughs> but like, at least if you're gonna nominate those movies, like, do something different. And thankfully, at least Dunkirk did get nominations, recognizing that. It's also insane to think that Christopher Nolan has never been nominated for a Best Director Oscar before. Right, and I don't even think personally this isn't his best film for me. You know, right? So I right. think that's interesting that it was Dunkirk that got nominated. But right. again, I think that goes back to because it was a World War II epic. Yes. Yes. Shout out to The Prestige. Christopher Nolan's actually the best movie. Um, (laughs) But yeah, but, uh, you know, but what things surprised you? And I want to bring Julian into this conversation, too. Julian, what things like surprised you or what were you excited about? Were you happy to see a lot of things for Blade Runner? Because I feel like you and I have commiserated about the fact that that was a movie that was like mostly ignored despite being actually amazing. It, it, It only got production awards. So Correct. No, nominations, like no, that was actually right. like that movie in War for the Planet of the Apes was the deepest movies about race all year, besides mm-hmm. Get Out. Like Get mm-hmm. Out, and you can say Lo- Logan, War for the Planet of the Apes, and Blade Runner was the only movies dealing with like race in America all year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One was about goddamn mutants in, in the X Men land. One is right. using robots, and one is using apes. So it's like right, like I like. Who like who like really who cares about Darkest Hour when you could just watch The Crown? John mm-hmm. Lithgow is doing a better performance. 
Dunkirk, it was good. I get why it's there. The post feels like they just did it because, like, hey, it's Steven Spielberg. The timeliness. Like, yeah, like, oh my God, fake news. We have to do something against this. We have to, we have to support this movie talking about how the Washington Post was second with with this. So yeah, like, nothing against that movie. I, I it just seems like they just did it because they felt like they had to. And I still think, like, I mean, like, yo, you, none of that, none of, a, lot, a lot of these movies weren't better than Blade Runner. Like, I, this stuff, this mad stuff in Blade Runner, like, but isn't it doesn't it also blow your mind though and i mean like maybe this now becomes our segue for like fuck through billboards but like <laughs> isn't it isn't it insane to you that denny villanueva didn't even get a director's guild nomination that literally like that like that's my brain exploding like how did martin mcdonough get a nomination for that movie but Denny did not get one for Blade Runner 24. I, I don't even like, I don't even understand. Like, I don't even know what's happening. Also in, rest in peace. Johan Johansson. I was very sad to hear of his death. His scores were amazing. And no joke. When we found out that he wasn't doing the Blade Runner 2049 score, Adam and I were like, do we even want to see this movie? It's Han- <laughs> That's going to be lame. So rest in peace. Johan Johansson. You did dope shit while you were alive. Yeah. So. But speaking of three billboards, <laughs> I mean, I don't know exactly how many nominations it got. It just got a lot, a lot. And I know I was irritated and we all pretty much feel the same way about this movie. And I feel like, I don't know, it's just this, it, it keeps, they keep telling me it's about race and it's about things that I don't think it's about, you know? Mm-hmm. And people are either, they love it. People either hate it. And I don't know how many people are somewhere in the middle, but I feel like conversations have been started about why it isn't what it's being sold as. And I still don't think Martin McDonough actually gets why his film is problematic. No, I mean, I don't think he cares because I don't think that he needs to care. And I think that he will say, and I've seen this a lot and I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with this in particular, but I think that he would say, well, my movie isn't about race which I think is an understandable defense, but also just because your movie isn't about race doesn't mean that it doesn't treat its black characters in a shitty way. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, right. You can say like, well, my movie wasn't about so-and-so, but did your movie have so-and-so like looking like idiots? Cause like, that's what, ha- like, that's what happened. Like nothing that a black character does in three billboards matters, but he has them to what to show that Francis McDormand's character is tolerant, but she also says the N word. Like there are a lot of things about that movie that are super messy from that point of view. And then again, coming back to the narrative and we, Julian and I, I think all three, Three of us have talked about this is like these conversations and these reputations for these movies start with film festivals like Sundance and like other festivals where the majority of reviewers are white men. Mm-hmm. So if somebody in January already starts the hype train for a movie, most people, including most critics, aren't going to see it until it actually comes out. So, like, is it really a backlash when a movie has been formed by a small group of people reporting on it anyway. I mean, May, you've been to Sundance, so you can actually speak to 
that. But it's becoming this thing where I feel like people are like, well, why would you have this backlash against three billboards? Everybody says it's an amazing movie. And it's like, well, not everybody, because not everybody saw it. Right. Well, here's so, the thing about festivals in general. I feel like, and it's true, when you do go to Sundance, there are a lot of, not just white critics, but like a lot of the audience also white. Yeah. So you have this small number of people, relatively speaking, you know, going to see these films and then they're coming out and saying, oh, my God, it was such a fantastic movie. But at the same time, it's when you're at a festival, it's like you're in your own little bubble Mm -hmm. and things get hyped for whatever reason, whether it was just like a feeling of being part of the audience and then having to sit down with like the directors and actors and listening to them speak about the film and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's this built in happiness towards watching films and choosing to, you know, your opinion sways towards the positive when watching them because you're at a festival and you want to support indie filmmakers and all that versus when you see a film with like a general public or when it's going to come out in theaters, it's like a completely different experience. And there was plenty of films where I've seen at Sundance myself and then come back to them later and been like, I don't really know why I either liked it or didn't like it, you know? So like your Mm -hmm. opinions change depending on how, whether you've talked to other people, what the hype is, you know, things like that. So I feel like three billboards got that hype, but at the same time, it's not, well, I don't think it deserves the hype. And so, but I feel like at a festival, I can see where that came from. Mm -hmm. Julian, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it. Did you like it? I liked it for 45 minutes. Okay. I think that's fair. 45 minutes is a great movie. Right until (laughs) Woody Woody Harrelson blows his head off. Mm Mm-hmm. Then after that, See, I don't know what they, they then they just start bugging. I pretty much liked it until the last like fifteen or so, fifteen or twenty minutes, and then I was like, "Is this really gonna go where it goes?" <laughs> and I think it needs like fifteen to twenty additional minutes past that point to actually like flesh out what it was trying to do, but it doesn't actually feel like any of the alleged catharsis that happens is actually earned. And to get back to like the nomination conversation, how do we live in a world (laughs) where Woody Harrelson was nominated for an Oscar for that role? Like that is actually mind blowing to me over army hammer and call me by your name and Mm -hmm. Michael Stahlbarg and call me by your name, who I actually think should have gotten the nomination. But like, that's another one of those mind blowing things where it's like, Woody was good. I, he was fine, but that really like, he's in like what a a third of the movie. So yeah. 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 I mean, I absolutely agree. And for me, it's, it wasn't even like the last 20 minutes, but even just thinking back on the film now, I'm thinking about that whole conversation in the flashback she had with her daughter, where she was basically telling her, I hope you get raped, you know, on your, on your way to wherever and then the fact that it's supposed to be this movie where she's supposed to get justice but even with her ex-husband and how he treated her and then how he treats his new girlfriend and how she doesn't say anything to her about his mistreatment of her from before like not even in warning or anything they just play her as this like bimbo yeah who who doesn't care you know even though she sees him clutching her neck you know right one scene and I think you can say like and ultimately his movies are all about like flawed fucked up characters and I understand that conceptually and that's 
I don't want to say that's fine, but like that's his thing and whatever. But just from like a narrative point of view, <laughs> the movie does not come together. I do not think it offers like the hopeful ending that it is attempting to by saying like, well, Sam Rockwell and Francis McDormand are going to go off and murder this man. I mean, right. Like that's like, that's what happened. Right. (laughs) And and I think Francis McDormand is like a phenomenal actress. Like she gives this role her all, but I'm also upset that this is what these talented actors are being nominated for, you know? Well, it's not necessarily that. I mean, I, I think she gives a phenomenal performance in a role that is clearly suited to what Frances McDormand does, mm-hmm. right? Like Frances McDormand is amazing at doing that. She does that really well because we've seen her do that every time she accepts an award or is interviewed. She is curt. She is brusque. She is standoffish. She is direct. Like she is phenomenal. Like I'm not, I'm not like saying that she is not exceptional in this role. The question that I always ask though is like, Uh, how much should I respect or herald something that doesn't seem that difficult in comparison with something like what Sally Hawkins does in Shape of Water? Like, I think that the emotional range of Sally Hawkins and what she pulls off in that film is way more impressive to me than what Frances McDormand does. But yeah, I agree. And I think that, I don't know. I don't know what you think about this. And, um, but for me, like you were talking about, Sally Hawkins's performance, but I feel like in, I don't know if it's just the U.S. in general, but I feel audiences are more receptive to performances if they're more in your face, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, where they, they don't get the nuance of, of things that right. I want them to get. So right. sometimes it's frustrating when you have, I'm, I mean, I'm so glad Sally Hawkins is nominated, but in general, performances like hers tend to get overlooked because they're not necessarily in your face like Frances McDormand's performances do you know what I mean yeah I mean I would say that her and Margot Robbie I haven't seen I Tanya yet but at least in all the marketing it very much seems like their performances are the most I don't want to say over the top because that's not fair but it definitely seems like it's the showiest role mm-hmm. in the same way that I feel like we're seeing in supporting actress with Allison Janney like Alison Janney is great, but everything that I've seen from that role seems like it's kind of outlandish. She has the parrot. She curses a lot. She abuses her daughter. Like yep, that, right? <laughs> like that stuff to me is obviously very showy in a way that Laurie Metcalf's performance it is not, or Mary Elijah's. But both of their performances are so nuanced and delicate and fragile. Like Laurie Metcalf and Saoirse Ronan in that scene when she's trying on her prom dress in the thrift store and she says, do you like me? And Laurie Metcalf says, I love you. And Saoirse says, that's not what I was asking. Mm-hmm. I never like that movie is my, like that scene is my life with my parents. And so that cuts so much deeper in me than anything in three billboards but that's not going to be what wins right it'll be alice and Janie. i mean i think that's pretty much definitive but think about like mary j blige and her speech when she talks about holding her son's heartbeat in her hands like like that my god like i I cry right now like i know (laughs) like so yeah so it's again it's that thing of what is showy versus what is not showy right and yeah and it's just 
I don't know. It, it's again, frustrating. It, it's, <laughs> yes, it's certainly frustrating. But I, you know, it's it definitely feels like a very wide open. I think aside from the acting races, I think it seems like a super wide open year actually. Because I really don't know like who's going to win Best Picture. I thought it was going to be three billboards, but I feel like The Shape of Water has done enough to kind of divert attention away from three billboards, at least for the time being. Like I remember Julian, I think messaged all of us when Guillermo won the director's guild Mm -hmm. award. So I don't know. Julian, what do you think? How do you think this is going to play out? I think three billboards is going to win best picture, but Guillermo is going to get best director. And then the, the, the squad will be complete. Yeah. All have their Oscars and they can go home to Mexico and they can rest. Yeah, well, Guillermo can't go back to Mexico, but they can all hang out together at film festivals, which is what they always do. Wait, Guillermo can't <laughs> go back home to Mexico? No, you don't know about Guillermo's like sitch. When he had made his first, when he had made Kronos, his father got kidnapped in Mexico City and like ransomed. Yeah, so yeah. Guillermo, yeah, so Guillermo like can't go back to Mexico like ever. Yeah. That's wow. more important to me because it's going to be like mad Mexican kids can be like, yo. We can go out here and make these movies because these three dudes, they did it and they be helping each other in the movies. Yep. In Yurito, Quaron, and Del Toro. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. No. I, I've, sorry, May, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say one of my things ever is I think it was like can last year it was like the three of them and Salma Hayek and Gael Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna all like repping real hard at a party <laughs> like, <laughs> like, the pictures of them like all hanging out and getting drunk and dancing like I wanted to print them out and like wallpaper my house with them like they were amazing <laughs> but, but yeah it definitely feels like it's one of those things where it's like is this going to be the year where there are a bunch of diverse wins but three billboards still wins best picture i mean i feel like it's totally possible although it would three billboards is definitely a fallback but you know okay so i since lady bird is the only best picture nominee with a female director Mm -hmm. in the category and someone i completely disagreed with was having a conversation about how they'll probably give best picture to lady bird because she's a woman and oh, okay. guys, yeah that's re- that's how it's worked for us in the past yeah <laughs> there's a pattern for that women and she's like well out. i don't think that you should just give awards to women just because they're women and i was like but it's not about that and she's still probably not gonna win but the fact that she's even nominated is a big deal so <laughs> Hey, who was this person, and have you excommunicated them from your oh, life? So it's like a friend, a coworker of a friend. So it's not oh, even a person God. I actually speak with on a daily basis. That's terrible. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I don't you know. think all them, all them old white men ain't voting for no Lady Bird because they don't understand. No, it. no, right. 100% no, and. They already have the one white woman they love, and that's Jennifer Lawrence. So, like, if she's not nominated for anything, <laughs> they're not going to vote. Like, are you kidding me? No, they love her because they want to sleep with her. I think and that's the I, fucked you up know, shit. And people can hate me sure. for saying that, but, like, yo, all the movies she was in when she was with these dudes is 15 years older than she is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bruh, like, really, she's, yeah. she's somebody's ex wife, and he's yeah. 40. And she's right. 22. Yeah, she's 25. Like, yeah. 25. Like, I'm still disturbed about what was that movie? Oh my God, American Hustle, where she was like um, Christian Bale's wife, and they yeah. have like 
eight year old kid. I'm like, wait, how old is she? How, right. <laughs> wait, what? Right. How did this work out? <laughs> so, May, are you telling me you're not going to the screening of Red Sparrow? What are you? Uh, what are you well, trying to see? Interesting that. about no, I'm trying to see that too. But what is interesting about Jennifer Lawrence's career to me is that I feel like she was much more real when she was in the indie films prior to like Hunger Games, and I feel like her role in Hunger Games felt right for her versus everything after that, where she was just playing women who were supposed should have been played by older actresses. I don't disagree with any of that, but isn't that also like endemic uh, of female roles in Hollywood? I mean, like she broke out with winter's bone. She was very good in like crazy. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, she got hunger games. Then she had that weird, whatever it was with David O'Russell, which was, fucking terrible. Do you remember when she said that she wanted them to be buried next to each other? I, Ugh, I do. I'll never forget that. <laughs> oh my God. It was so I've terrible. Never heard that. So, yeah, oh she my said God. that and it, I think were, it was were at, together? an Oscars. No, uh, they weren't together, but it was very, wait, it was very weird. Really? I, I don't think they were together. I think it was, I think it was clearly a relationship where like he wanted that to happen and it didn't happen, but it was very much like she gave this like a series of terrible interviews where she talked about how she wanted them to be buried next to each other. And this was my favorite actually was when she was like, he really, like we really get each other. Um, because like when we're talking, like he'll just forget that I'm a woman and he'll refer to me as like he or him. And I, I really like I really feel like respected and valued. And everybody was like, nah, nah dude, like he should like he shouldn't forget what your gender is is for you then to feel respected by him. No, it was terrible. That whole but thing is terrible. I think that speaks to her perspective, right? Because I know Amy Adams had a problem with him. <laughs> yes, Amy Adams had a problem with him. J-Law did not. I mean, I, I feel like pretty much every woman has had a problem with him that isn't Jennifer Lawrence. She's like Kate Winslet to Woody Allen, right? <laughs> oh my God, I can't even deal with that. <laughs> but Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet now is also like, yo, I sincerely regret you know why she says that shit? Because she didn't she get got, nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, she I don't. Have, I, like, I can't be mad. At, like I'm not even like Hollywood be trash. So like all the stuff they be propagating and be like, but y'all dick ride Woody Allen so much. I can't even respect. Yeah. Half of this shit, like y'all going on hard. Like I'm not saying James Franco is a great person, but y'all be celebrating the fuck out of. Uh, Roman Polanski, y'all be yeah. celebrating them. Yo, we got New York Times like editorials talking about like I don't believe Dylan Farrell, so I'm like, you know what? I'm right. gonna sit back. I'm gonna wait until yeah, next it, year's crisis happens. Right. Because it was just one account. That article was trash. Right. Yeah. That was terrible. I mean, Larry Nasser abused like hundreds of girls, so clearly he was a problem. I was like, oh, oh okay, okay. So yeah. that one girl. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, and what's interesting is that the people who defend him, it's like, but his movies are so great. But then I'm like, if you watch his movies, though, they're kind of indicative of it's <laughs> how like, he it's is like R. as a Kelly. person. It's like R. Kelly. Yeah. It seems I mean, like you're ready. Manhattan. Right. I'm right. just saying. It's, right. It's 100% actually reflective of who they are as people. Nobody wants to acknowledge or talk about that, though. Now, I will not veer this conversation into Justin Timberlake. But I will say, but no, but I mean, like the reality is that people still work with him. I mean, like we still have Selena Gomez and young people. We still have Selena Gomez, Timothy Chalamet, Elle Fanning, like Chalamet came out and said that he would donate 
donate his money that he made to what? I think it was like rain and time's up. So like, sure. But he still somehow has the appeal to this younger generation. And that's one of those things where like, I really feel like changing the generations, like letting go of Woody Allen and even to a certain degree, letting go of Spielberg, letting go of like the old guard and giving appropriate respect to younger directors who aren't doing that shit so it becomes people being like yo i really want to work with d Rees, or i really want to work with jordan peele like not my career will be made when i work with woody allen no it won't it doesn't matter anymore right like that's that's the conversation that i want it's still interesting to, to see the power that he still has because you're right it's like now he makes a bunch of stuff but it it doesn't get seen as much or it goes he has the amazon he had the amazon series that he has in the deal so when it comes to younger celebrities working with him it's like what are you getting out of it because right. what you're asking is that your audience who follows you like selena gomez has a huge fan base uh don't gonna... remember, don't forget who starred in the woody allen show for amazon it was miley fucking cyrus yep. so you're out here talking about okay whatever we could do this all day <laughs> but but yeah but it is um but it is super super exhausting <laughs> yeah it really is it is terrible um but yeah I, I don't know i it's one of those things where i'm like i'm looking at this nomination list and there are still some things that blow my mind like i still don't understand how molly's game got nominated for best adapted screenplay that movie was extremely boring <laughs> i've heard a lot of people like it i've heard, I've heard a lot of people I, like it may did you see it you know i haven't seen it but i am a fan of jessica chastain and i heard she was at least good in it but i, yeah. I guess i didn't have i think you told me that it wasn't that great so i feel like i just put it off and i never yeah. saw it she is definitely good i mean she's really good in it and i actually think that like michael Sarah is shocking i mean not shockingly i think michael Sarah is always good but he's gone away for a little while so i feel like i kind of forgot but he is really good at it it's kind of fun watching it and trying to figure out who she's talking about because like she kind of names dames and she kind of doesn't and like with a little bit of gossip sleuthing you can figure out who people are under their pseudonyms or whatever Mm -hmm. but it is still very much like an aaron sorkin script like it still relies on that like talkativeness and like so is it like the newsroom but in a movie form yes because Ultimately, like it, what he makes happen is he boils down the essence of her character to dad issues, mm-hmm. and it's actually mad infuriating because <laughs> she's she's really good, but literally like the last fifteen minutes of that movie are terrible. Best animated feature film. I'm guessing we're all assuming that Coco's going to win. I do. I do assume Coco. that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm guessing. It better not be Best anything f- but Coco. Remember me. Be I me. think. Like randomly, and I just be getting mad sad because, like, yeah. I know, I know, it's so good. Yeah. Best foreign language film. May are you pulling for the insult? I am. I let me go. Okay. Let me go down here. So there's the insult, and uh, I think I saw the square, but it was like a while ago. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm pulling for the insult. I think it, it has enough in it for even like American audiences to be like, ooh. Ooh, you know, so mm-hmm. who knows? My, I feel like it's going to be a fantastic woman, which would still be pretty impressive. Yeah, but I'm pretty. I'm surprised that the Diane Kruger movie didn't get nominated. Which one? The one isn't the one. It's like her and she's German, and her husband and her son. I don't remember the name of it. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, I feel like I saw it, but I don't remember the name. I know I don't remember the name of it. Okay, I gotta look. I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. But then we have. 
have I think Baby Driver was nominated for film film editing. I feel yes. like it's between for me for that one. It's going to be Baby Driver or Dunkirk. Yes, and I feel like it might go to Dunkirk unless enough younger people in the voting block throw behind Baby Driver because I mean that was I phenomenally edited. Um, the Dying Kruger Driver's movie. One of the best movies of last year. Um, what I'm disappointed it didn't get more love because it was awesome. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think they definitely kept it like in the genre film area of voting, though. You know, May the Diane Kruger movie was in the fade. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see what else. What else can we talk about? Best original score. Thoughts? It's Dunkirk. So Hans Zimmer for Dunkirk. Johnny Greenwood for Phantom Thread. Johnny Greenwood always works with PTA. He also did the. there will be blood score. Um, Alexander Desplat for The Shape of Water, John Williams for Star Wars, and Carter Burrell for Three Billboards. I literally don't remember anything about the Three Billboards score. Like, it's not all. It wasn't, I feel like a, yeah, right. a lot of them aren't really memorable in general these days, but I think I I think The Shape of Water was memorable for me, so I hope yes. it goes to Alexander Desplat. Yes, The Shape of Water one was too, but so was Dunkirk, because I liked how they incorporated like, the ticking time and like mm-hmm. the sounds of the clock, I thought that was pretty cool. And then best original song. So Julian, are you going for "Remember Me"? Yeah, what's better than "Remember Me"? Um, is May not going to argue that "This Is Me" from The Greatest Showman is better? <laughs> <laughs> hey, all I'm saying you know, is, listen, the soundtrack is amazing, so I stand okay. behind the songs. Oh, okay. but I do think it should go to "Remember Me" because it's still. So "This Is Me" is kind of like a powerhouse in your face. This is who I am type song, versus right. like. Remember Me is more of a heartfelt, make you cry, emotional song that really ties into the film. And I really want it to go to them. I would really like Sufjan to win for Mystery of Love, but I like know that's not happening. Oh, I know. I love Sufjan Stevens. Um, okay. Like costume design is an interesting. Uh, so Victorian Abdul is nominated for costume design. And you know how much we hate this movie. Yes. Um, so I, I only... hope they go. It's only one of three nominated for best makeup and hairstyling, which is also mind blowing. Like you only nominated three movies, and two of them were period pieces. Wait, who did Beast and get nominated? Beauty and the Beast got nominated for costume design. It didn't get nominated for best makeup and hairstyling, which is interesting because I think that period pieces again are like more in your face. You can tell there's costume design because they're all wearing things we don't wear anymore. You know. But on the flip side of that, then why don't we consider sci-fi movies more for best costume design? I mean, like, I feel like Baby Goose's jacket in Blade Runner is like, no (laughs) joke, like, no joke. I feel like that jacket is like integral to his character and like pretty much everything. And uh, yeah, it's just it's silly to me also that you wouldn't have some thing like Wonder Woman or just something else that is a little unexpected as opposed to every period piece right because right. it's pretty much every period piece and the shape of water and even the shape of water is set in the 60s so you right. could argue that it's a period piece yeah and i feel like even star wars has dis- right. very distinct costume design right which i think is unfortunate that it's not nominated there yeah so yeah definitely a lot of stuff that gets overlooked and makeup i mean so many movies come out and they have three nominees for makeup and hair which is just mind-blowing yes 
Yes, I think that's absurd. I feel like I forgot that Kong Skull Island was nominated for Best Visual Effect. Was it really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my I, god. I totally forgot I, about that. I forgot it came out. Yes. What? You're like I, King Kong. <laughs> no, King Kong. Sorry. So. Yeah, Best Visual Effects is Blade Runner, Guardians of the Galaxy, Kong, Star Wars: Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes. But like, no joke, how was Thor not nominated for this category? For best visual effects? Yeah, because I, I feel, feel like, like it's just phenomenal. But don't you feel like Thor and Guardians probably split the vote? Yeah, that's probably true. Like, but still, I feel like visually Thor was more, you know, it had more going on for me. Yes and no. I feel like you could probably make the argument that, that like, Guardians of the Galaxy made numerous distinct planets, right? True. Rocky, you know. come on, just, just agree with me. You know? I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> that I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, I want to go back to talking about Mudbound just because I just, yeah, let's do it. I need it to get love. So, it got nominated in the adapted screenplay. So, D-Rees got something there. But mm-hmm. I still feel like it was. Well, do you want to talk about the gotten, four nominations? It got four nominations. So do you want to yeah, list so those four? It got adapted screenplay. It got best supporting actress for Mary J. Blige. It got. Let me see here. Best original song for Mary J. Blige. <laughs> right, and then. Right. And that was the fourth one. Best cinematography for Rachel Morrison. First, yes, first woman. First woman. To, first woman to ever be nominated for a cinematography award at the Oscars. Yep. Yep. It I mean, I, I hope she wins just for that reason. And the cinematography is uh, also beautiful. <laughs> I hope Roger Deakins wins for Blade Runner. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like it's uh, it's one it, it's either one of them because Roger Deakins has been nominated fourteen times and has not yet won. Like if we're talking about snubs, like look back on his cinematography, like it is insane. He, he's he's been nominated for like some crazy, yeah, some movies that like, like clearly like is better than like all 10 best pictures and be like oh yes. what, you, what you talking about like this you ain't yo that scene with baby goose is walking in like Vegas and it's all red dude and that's in IMAX dude his nominations <laughs> his nominations are insane these are his nominations for best cinematography all of which he has lost <clears throat> 94 Shawshank Redemption 96 Fargo 97 Kundun 2000, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? 2001, The Man Who Wasn't There. 2007, he was nominated twice and still lost. Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford and No Country for Old Men. Yes. 2008, The Reader. That was Julian flipping a table. 2008, (laughs) The Reader. 2010, True Grit. 2012, Skyfall. 2013, Prisoners. 2014, Unbroken. 2015, Sicario. Like, are, are you kidding me? Yeah. So his his record is insane. So I feel like between him and Rachel Morrison, either one of those would be the correct choice. Yeah. I think. And I really, I really, I mean, from Mudbound at least, I really hope it wins adapted screenplay. Yes, because I agree. at least because it's not nominated best picture it's not nominated for best director which is just insane to me right and i don't (sighs) i don't disagree with you but don't you think call me by your name is going to win that category i mean with all the hype surrounding it probably like i wouldn't be surprised i will still be mad though Mm -hmm. 
No, I don't disagree, but I feel like like we kind of know how this works, right? Like right. we kind of know how they seem to like parcel out awards. So I feel like Chalamet definitely is not going to win. Gary Oldman's going to win best actor. So I feel like the next highest thing that they could give it is best adapt after screen, which is not to say that people are like picking and choosing from, you know, like from a ballot. But I do think that script touched a lot of people, especially Michael Stahlberg's final speech, which again should have been nominated for an Oscar. But wait, yeah. but wait. Remember, did you read the rumors going around? I was like, some people didn't want to vote for that movie because it's like, yo, yes. Moonlight won last yeah, year. Yeah, we already did a gay movie. Yeah, yeah. like we this should, we did that. Like, we all yes. did <laughs> Right. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, we, yeah, you're right. It's like, well, we did it, and it's, it was politically correct, so now we're moving on right. to other things. Right. Back to our status quo. <laughs> right. Pretty much, yeah. And I did um, one of the um, other women that writes for Pajiba Kids. Billy Donaldson wrote this piece and I don't necessarily I don't necessarily disagree fully but she wrote this piece about how we need to just like be done with the blind interviews like anonymous Oscar voters because like what does it really accomplish like we just hear about like the worst of their inclinations (laughs) we just hear about how like terrible and racist they are so like what do they actually contribute to the conversation and I like agree with that in the sense that I don't necessarily think that they are that helpful and they just make us angry but at the same time it does help us understand like who we're dealing with in terms of who is voting like who are these people and if they are the kind of people that are like, oh, we already did the gay thing. Like, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know what? I feel I mean, yes, I, I agree and disagree. You're right, though. It does. Sh- it does tell us who we're dealing with. But I think we already know who we're dealing with, you know, yeah. so it's like we get that information. But it's just also those people hiding behind, you know, the no names and just saying whatever they want. And they- it's the truth. And then it just gets us riled up because we want it to change more quickly than they are allowing it to. Yeah. Versus like there was that one article from was it to our last year? I can't remember where this one writer was basically saying how um, them diversifying the voting pool is not a good thing because then it just the Oscars lose their prestige or some shit. I do remember that. Yes. Yes. I do remember that. And I was like, Oh, cool. Sorry. As Brown people are fucking up your vibe. You asshole. (laughs) Basically. It's like, what the hell does that even mean? It's like, this is what you're supposed to be doing because as things are progressing, you should also progress with them. Dumbass. You know, they don't feel that way. (laughs) What do you want anybody in your club? Sweet, innocent May. (laughs) No, I know. I'm not saying that I get what he's saying. Cause he's probably like an old geezer himself or, or probably right. uh, some you know random white dude, but, but right. it's still fucked up to me, you know. No, I, I completely, I completely agree. It's just also one of those things where I'm like, I'm not surprised <laughs> by what any, like by what any of those interviews say, because they're all terrible. Yeah, literally yeah. all. Well, now have they announced any kind of like outfit thing for the Oscars? I don't think no, so. At least I haven't seen anything for it. Yeah. Okay. I guess they'll figure out some me to not note like times up blase blah 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 thing. Like I probably sound like a hater, but You I'm do, just, you do sound like a hater. I'm just you do like, sound like a hater. I'm I I'll just be like, okay, like when that pedophilia gonna come out though? 
Like, I'm like, when the real shit's going, when the real shit going to hit? Like, when is, when is, when is them real rapes coming out? Like, when it is one of those, those things. Uh, people now, sucking dick for movies. Like, let me, yeah, like, I right. want all of it. Put it out. Forget this trickle shit. And I don't disagree with you, but I also feel like even the times up pins are making people mad, uncomfortable, right? So that's at least better than nothing. Is it, I mean, we. Is it I, I feel uncomfortable? like. I think. Well, or I don't is know. it performative it, radicalism? But Capitalized. Isn't radical, but isn't all radicalism somewhat performative? Mm, now, when you're making mean, bread off of it, though. But are they making bread off of it? Everything's going to the legal fund. It's not like they're personally profiting from it. Who, who All proceeds go to the legal fund. Okay. And the legal fund's right. already raised what, like thirty million dollars? Okay. All right. Well, I think I mean it's a good part of it's good because it's No still- May. Julian and I are gonna argue about this. <laughs> Listen, this because it gets the rest of the podcast. It gets actresses together to you know, when they're talking, they discover what is actually happening. Yes. Because and more usually and they more don't stories. Yes, and more and more stories about that are coming out. There is more exchange of information like how much are you getting paid for this? Are you getting back end points? What kind of representation? Are you? Having? I mean, I do think that stuff is important, and I do think that it is shaming in some way because Mark Wahlberg did donate his all the money in the world salary two times up. So, like, it's I think it's shitty that we had to wait like a week for him to be publicly shamed for him to do that, but he still did do it. So, in some ways, yes, I totally agree with Julian that like burn the motherfucker down, but we. We all know the burn motherfucker isn't going to come down, right? So, like, I will at least take incremental steps forward. I want to get to a place where, like, remember when Seth MacFarlane joked about seeing everybody's breasts in his Oscars opening monologue? I want to yeah. get to a place where that doesn't happen anymore. Right. So. Yeah. So it's like it's like baby steps, but there's still a lot of there's definitely a lot to go because you can already see that even in this movement, it's not all inclusive. And then you have people Correct. like Lena Dunham, for example, coming Correct. in and trying to like pick up on it just by using its name without actually committing to anything right. because she's, she's awful. So, <laughs> and then saying that she couldn't because of her tough personal life post breakup. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to have, people like that i mean she also is the same person who what didn't think that parano's daughter was telling the truth and came out with an entire yep. statement about how she had what how she was telling the truth exactly yeah so you're always gonna have like super messy fucked up terrible people but what can the collective do in spite of those people yeah. instead of how are those people attempting to hold it back i mean that's what that's the place that i would like to go to i mean i think if they make if they do wear the pins at the Oscars and they do make some of the guys uncomfortable because they know for a fact that they've probably done shit and they're publicly supporting it and then they get outed, I will live to see that. So, (laughs) and I don't, and I don't disagree with you, but Julian also has the point. Gary Oldman was wearing a fucking times up pin. Gary Oldman was like 30 something when he married Uma Thurman at 18. Gary Oldman beat his first wife. I mean, like those are also the things too, where like, and I've had this conversation with a few different people, like your allies can't, can't all be perfect. Right. The reality is that like in a patriarchal society, chances are people have done some fucked up shit. So I think the question more so is like, what are we willing to accept as somebody who has a t- 
own, recognize their mistake, is willing to move on and change and learn and be a different person. I'm I'm a pessimist when it comes to that, because to me, they can apologize publicly and all of that. But I feel they wouldn't even do that unless they were they're publicly shamed. And even then, I don't think they mean it because they deep down don't think that they did anything wrong. Correct. Some of the, you know, a lot of the people. Right. But that's why I think like what happens after Me Too is going to be what matters. Right. Because it's like, okay, so Mark Wahlberg was shamed into donating his money. But like, what does somebody do next in light of that? Like what happens when people go to negotiate their salary? salaries will there be men reaching out to female co-stars saying this is what i'm going to ask for this is what you could ask for i mean like the reality is that like change happens over time so i think we're still in the ground swell fervor part of this i want to know what happens next right like will we see a change in hollywood will we see more females behind in front of the camera Correct. And we can't know that yet. I mean, I I don't know when we're going to know that. I don't know. Six months, a year, the next Oscars. I don't know. But that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I think it's something that could take years. But as long as people are moving forward with it, then I'll be okay with it. Because there's always going to be like those kinks they're going to have to work out. Right. And it is still a male heavy industry. I mean, that's, that's just the reality. Like, and this is something we also talked about with Julian and the Grammys. Like Julian raised the very good point that the Grammys, Julian, you can speak to this better than I can, because I don't really pay that much attention to music awards, but how many years ago was it that they got rid of gendered categories? Uh, since it's 2018, seven. Okay. And then, so since then, it's been like since they got rid of the gender categories, it's been what, like over 90 percent of nominees have been male. Yeah. So it's like they got they yeah. got rid of they got rid of the gender category so that it, most likely it could seem like they did it in a progressive, you know, mindset. Like, hey, you know, men and women are equal. So we mm-hmm. will just have one award best whatever best Mm -hmm. pop this best r&b this and Mm -hmm. that's it well guess what happens right dudes in the academy if they don't have to vote in a woman a woman's album because they probably won't listen to it right they're going to just pick dudes right and then you get the problem of it is that you have like the president of the recording cabinet talking about time for women to step up like right the fuck out of here like like it make any, like it's is music like be quite honest like nobody's really checking for dudes outside of rap and the occasional R&B like who cares what white dudes are singing let's be mm-hmm. quite honest they don't make mm-hmm. anything interesting like mm-hmm. if they they do there's a black person back there helping them make it fire but you right. know, that's I my mean, my prejudice statement but that's it, what it is it's like isn't so, the example that SZA got nominated for what 13 awards or something and went uh, home with five, none five she she yeah. she lost out some awards to the weekend won an award he should have got last year mm-hmm. that's the one award I think she deserved mm-hmm. really like outstandingly Mm-hmm. Also, that and Alicia Cara won Best New Artist, and her her album and first big hit came out in 2015. So that's right. some bullshit. Um, right. Yeah. So you could say right. she really kind of lost that on too, maybe, but 
Mm-hmm. Khalid was actually, yo, that shit was kind of fire. He might have deserved best new artist. So, because mm-hmm. even with SZA, she's not, she's only new because this is her first quote unquote album, but she had like mixtapes out. She mm-hmm. was on Rihanna's Auntie. Like, she kind of been out there. So, yeah. you get in this weird place. It's like, uh, but yeah, like, it is what it is. The, the Grammys yeah. is an entirely. The Grammys is a totally different ball of wax than film because in film you don't got any minorities at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas with music, minorities actually make all of the interesting music, but don't get celebrated for it. Or right. they only it seems get celebrated when white like, people do it. it. Like it seems very much like the Grammys have attempted to keep everybody in specific like hip hop R and B boxes, as opposed to nominating them for like the best overall categories right they I mean that was win, like the yeah. vague backlash I saw yeah well some of that is is weird because then you start getting into the, the, the weird things about it. it becomes black and white it's yeah. like Oscar so white well mm-hmm. it's like Oscar so white but you're really only talking about black people and white people you're not talking about mm-hmm. you're not talking about Latin people you're not talking about Asian people you're not talking about people of Middle Eastern descent Pacific right. Islanders you're not talking about any of those people black people you're just talking about you care about White people and you. Right. That's what also so white is. So with the Grammys, it's be like, oh, it's all about this, but then you wanted this Bruno Mars. He ain't white. He Filipino and Puerto Rican. And those people have been in bands and shit forever. So, so funk bands, soul, but like they've always been there. So you can't just say like he's appropriating something that like other people of color has been a a product of since like jazz. So mm-hmm. yeah. that's an entirely different. That's some black people shit that I got that, that black people need to deal with. But when it's well, Adele I saw a beating, conversation about that on Twitter, about how I, the creator of the hashtag was arguing that it is all inclusive because when, you know, a lot of movies, for example, came out that weren't like Ghost in the Shell, they went to bat for that that and all this other shit and it just goes back to the point where as soon as something does come out uh, all people start crying out about like what about us you know so yeah it becomes a a weird thing it just there's a certain point where it becomes more like when I start seeing Al Sharp to come out with some shit like Oscar so white and then it just becomes this thing it's like yeah black people only check in and maybe you might take this the wrong way but I only see black people check in when black people feel like they're getting slighted. Like, that's the thing that's going to blow me with Black Panther. No disrespect to Black Panther, but, like, next year, next January, February, it ain't going to deserve no awards shit. Like, nah. Like, Ryan Coogler's movie that deserved award shit was Fruitville Station and Creed. Mm-hmm. That's it. No, Marvel movies don't deserve that. They don't make those type of movies. They just don't. Fox does... They made Logan, you know, the Dark Knight was, but superhero movies ain't, it ain't, it ain't for that. But black people going to feel some type of way when they don't get no nominations besides visual effects, costuming, maybe songs. That's the same with all superhero movies, though. Like, they never get that kind of respect at these types of awards anywhere. But black Twitter's strong, man. (laughs) These aren't, these aren't just geeks. This is going to be black Twitter. This is what I'm going to ask you, May. Do you think they deserve those awards? Well, 
a lot of them don't, but I don't know. For me, it's like there are so many different types of genres of film that I do feel like the Oscars just stick to dramas, you know, because people can see like, oh, well, this was so good because it was a drama and this person screamed the shit out of their lungs in the scene and they deserve an award type thing versus like I feel comedies get slighted a lot. It's hard to make people laugh. You know, I feel like those aren't recognized in any type of way or at least in a prestige type of way mm-hmm. and like sci-fi films have their own awards but no one really pays attention to them right so i feel like a lot of movies get made but no one thinks that they deserve awards even though a lot of them are worthy of certain aspects but in certain in, at least in superhero movies a lot of times especially like marvel films they don't have like those types of perf- it's not performance focused Right. So it doesn't always immediately I don't immediately think of it as an awards type film, at least for like acting per se. And I also think that one of those things, too, is that like I think awards shows and at least I will say I myself like I favor finality and a story that feels fully told and fully realized. And I think that's why Logan was finally able to break through because Logan wasn't really a superhero movie. It was a neo-Western. Like, mm-hmm. So I think it's one of those things too where I don't necessarily think of superhero movies in the current format as they are as deserving of that much praise because to me it doesn't feel like they're interested in telling a self contained story that has permanence or resonance it feels like it's always in the quest for the next step of the story which is fine it's clearly making money i mean comic books keep selling like as a well, business model books. it's clearly Superheroes right people selling in the movies. yes excuse me they are separate <laughs> things but my point more so is that, like they feel to me like they're in the service of selling which is fine but then i don't think of them as like a complete story that resonates with me as much as something like logan or something like war for the planet of the apes that was like the final installment of something and maybe that's a flaw of how we like consume media and what we think is more important or not important but like creed could have been a standalone movie and that would have been fine yeah Mm -hmm. it just happens to be a sequel Right. So, yeah, so it's definitely one of those things where I think we probably, in a lot of ways, pay more attention to, like, the mainstream awards that than we need to. But also, it does feel like a very surprising year. I mean, I think of Shape of Water as a sci-fi film, mm-hmm. you know? So to see it getting so much accolades is impressive. And even Blade Runner, even though it's only getting production design things, I think that is still an acknowledgement of the amount of work that goes into building that kind of world. Really, the only thing that surprises me is Darkest Hour because, you know, whatever. That's the only one that really blew me away with the amount of nominations. Phantom Thread was somewhat surprising, too, but I think we all knew that what DDL said would be his last movie, you know, would gain attention. And I think people were ready for Paul Thomas Anderson to do something that seemed more expected. Like Inherent Vice was super fucking weird <laughs> and nobody, you know, like and people movie, didn't. Right. But it movie. wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that I think most Academy voters would be into. So, right. you know, yeah. it is what it is. It is a, it's an interesting year. I do agree with Julian that I could see it going three billboards, best film and Guillermo del Toro, best director, but we'll see. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that at least a lot of these films are character focused, which is seems like that's what they tend to nominate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. But yeah, I, I agree about that. I think Three Billboards will win Best Picture. I will fume, but it will happen. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily want to say like 100 percent because who knows? I think that there have been enough. There's been like enough. It feels like steady. I don't want to say like dismantling of the hype, but it seems like the conversation somewhat changed. But I do think that Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell are 100 percent locks in their categories to whatever degree. Although, did you see I thought I don't think Francis McDormand showed up to the Oscar class photo. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, Did I don't she think say she why? No, I just don't think she gives a shit about stuff. Like oh. that. I mean, remember in her Golden Globe acceptance speech, she was like, give it to somebody new and somebody younger. Like, I don't necessarily want this. She's already yeah. won before, right? Right. Yeah, she's already won before. So it'll be interesting to see, does she actually mean that? Or, you know, is it just posturing? Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly didn't expect Moonlight like to win last year. I really wanted it to, but I didn't right. think it would. So who knows what will happen this year? Maybe they'll surprise us and somebody else has so much buzz, though. Yeah, yeah. I had so much buzz. I, like I right. had a feeling it. Like the besides freaking uh, Faye Dunaway trying to screw it over, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like when it won one, it was like, oh, okay. Like it, it was only between that La La Land. Like mm-hmm. you watch all those movies, just like. Yo, it's really it's, it was only a race between those two movies. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like I don't even when you think back, I'm like I watched Lana Land and Moonlight like like two or three times a piece. I'm like, right. I don't even know what's this year. I had to be honest. Like there's no Blade Runner. And it's like watch when everybody's gonna be treating their robots all terribly. They're gonna be like, damn, we should have been watching Blade. Runner. We should have been watching Blade Runner. That's what we should have been watching. You know, Last year, these these were nominated for best film. These are the nominees: Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, best film in 2016, uh, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight won. And I love Hell or High Water. I love Hell or High Water. Like, yeah, love it to death. Yeah, like that's a that's a new classic. Yeah, but yo, that Moonlight though, like that. Mm-hmm. That's some effective shit. Like, mm-hmm. but I think you and I have also had the conversation that like we both felt very much like the backlash against La La Land was not deserved. Nope, because that movie's yeah. fire. It's still on HBO rotation. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah. damn, this joint's still good. Like, <laughs> like yo, yeah. La La Land. That soundtrack. It also won two Grammys. So good for it. Yeah. But yeah, like woo. Like I still yeah. fuck with La La Land. I might buy that joint on Blu-ray. I have it on Blu-ray. I haven't been able to watch it all the way through since oh, nah, seeing okay. it that one time. Ends. It wrecks me emotionally every time. <laughs> I can't. I vicious. can't. Yeah, I can't make it through to the end. Like it hurts me too deeply. But okay, this is going to be my last question because I think we're re- we're we're wrapping up. May yeah. most underseen of last year, and the movie that you will tell everybody to see. Oh, you know what? One second, let me draw back up my uh, my top fifteen. <laughs> Julian, what about um, you? Have you been telling people to see Blade Runner, or yeah. do you feel like most people in your life would not enjoy it? No, they should they need to see Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Okay, Even is that the your whole number thing one? With um, you know, there was sometimes I read some stuff where people were like, you know, how it treats women poorly. I can't and with that conversation because it's wrong. It's wrong because you just like it's you wrong. don't understand. They don't 
Like they're not he- like you don't understand slavery. They're like the robots aren't human to the humans. Right. Like, exactly. None of the the males or the females yes. aren't human to them. Like, yes. Yes. The, like yes. um, what's we call Arquette? She's not. No, that's not Arquette. It's, um, Robin. Robin Wright. Robin Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, she's treated as a human. She's treated right. well. She has power. She, she's a human. Right. Every other person that's a that's a replicate, treated like shit. Male, female, right. it don't matter because they're slaves. Right. That's right. the way it works. Like right. that's slavery. That's what you don't want to deal with, <laughs> unless it's yeah. Quentin Tarantino doing it right. funny or. 12 Years of Slave where Brad Pitt comes in and be like, I'm going to save the black people. Well, guess what? Right. All the slaves look white. Now deal with it. Baby Goose a slave. Deal with it. It's definitely one of those things that like it blew my mind. And and you know what? This could very well be an argument that people make in defense of three billboards. But it kind of blew my mind thinking that because a movie depicts something, it supports it. Do you know what I mean? Like. Blade Runner in depicting the fact that the replicants are treated like slaves and that the female characters in the future would still suffer because there's still patriarchy and replicants would be hunted down and slaughtered and Jared Leto wouldn't care about any replicant that didn't breed because that was his goal for his capitalist ideal. I mean, like all of those things make sense to the story. And it doesn't mean that Denny Villanueva was like, and that's what I want. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think it. Yeah. I think it's subconsciously it hits too close to home. Yeah, like three billboards. I think makes white people feel better. Yes, of course. Yes, because they think Frances McDormand can't be a racist. She's a feminist. Do you know what I mean? Like it's where they can't think well the character could be one thing because she's another thing and that's not really or that's not really how that movie the works the cops the racist right. cops are the bad guys until Clark Peters pops up right. and he's not fucked up but you celebrate Sam Rockwell's character who is fucked right. up completely right right okay. Sam Rockwell literally throws somebody out a window <laughs> Like, and nobody gives him the person ever. Like, <laughs> like no faced. No, nobody is like, you know what? You should probably be fired for throwing somebody out a window. Also, he throws a white person out a window. How is that not a problem? <laughs> oh, because there's a there's a hierarchy because he he's a he doesn't look like a strong man. Like, nah, I get all the subtle messages in this yeah. movie, and that's why I haven't I haven't seen one black person yet that actually liked that movie. So like yeah. Nah, like, nah, like, 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 yo, Blade Runner, and then I'll be like, you need to watch that Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. You need to see Moses get to the promised land and, and fall, yo. Oh my God. When are we going to get <laughs> in, when are we going to have a reality where Andy Circus wins an acting when, award? I, uh, mm, mm, I'm tight. I'm tight. He should have got Do you see what I'm saying? There's people have been working for years and they still don't get shit because those are, they don't make the type of movies that Oscar wants to nominate. Right. Also, you know, May, Andy Circus is one of us. I know. I'm I, so know. <laughs> I know. I know. So I actually, like he's my uncle. I'm like, yo, that Andy Circus, though. We're related. <laughs> like, what? Like, it's so terrible. Okay, May, what is your what is your most underseen and what is your recommendation? I think, for, I don't know if it was underseen, but I feel like a lot of people didn't talk enough about it to, from what I've seen, and that's Ingrid Goes West, because I mm-hmm. think that um, 
there was just such a well done movie and it spoke to social media in a way that made sense to me. And I think that Aubrey Plaza does, you know, gives a fantastic performance. So if you were looking for a movie you want to watch at home and just like be awed by her performance and I don't even know what to say about it really. It's just like a great film. So just watch it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really I feel good. like it. I feel like it does a really good job of like walking that line between being like super unsettling and still really amusing. Like yeah. it does a very good job, like veering between those two extremes. And, and I like think it's a music and it's amusing and dark at the same time. You know? Yes, and I also think it's one of those things too, where I feel like a lot of people that I talk to are like, "Well, Aubrey Plaza is only good at one thing," and I'm like, "I don't understand how you could think this." after you watch that movie because right. she's so subtle and so nuanced in that movie like how she looks at elizabeth olsen versus how she looks at you know like baby ice cube like yeah 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 no that movie is great okay and then what is your so that's the one that you think is underseen what is your is your recommendation going to be mudbound for everybody yes of course okay okay i think that i mean if you haven't seen it shame on you it's on that there's no excuse but it's just a phenomenally phenomenally made film and d reese deserves all the awards but she won't get them so at least support her and watch the film and you know i feel like we've all talked about why we love it but we haven't actually well we've all talked about loving it but we haven't actually talked about why we love it so may why is that your recommendation to people i don't know i mean for me it's it's a mixture of so many things it's like the performances it's just an an intense film that speaks to a lot of racial stuff very strongly, but doesn't try to underplay it either. And I think that in this climate that we have right now, it's important to to watch, even if it'll probably make a lot of people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that she just balances everything out. Like she gives you two different perspectives and then shows you like the climate of what was happening at the time, but how inequality just prevails in everything down to owning land and, you know, how one life can look better to many people just because of the color of your skin. And, and it's just, I don't know. It's just like, there's a lot of nuances, so many fantastic performances. The way she portrays both families is just really good. And I mean, sometimes I feel like I don't have enough words to express why I love it, but mm -hmm. those are just some things. Okay. Julian, do you want to jump in on that? Since I feel like we've seen a lot of movies I feel like it was the movie where I felt that you were most moved. Oh, because the lad, the, the end of it is so. The the, end, the good thing about Mudbound is it's so depressing from what we see usually from like movies with black people in the past and like racist white people. But it has that little sliver of hope at the end, so it's not completely and utterly like another movie where like there's no good outcome. It just sucks all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's just surprisingly well done, and it's just like Netflix should have put it in theaters. Like mm -hmm. they just, they just kind of, they kind of fucked up. Like, like they, I don't know why they stopped doing that because they did that with Beasts of No Nation. 
mm-hmm. but they just decided not to do that with this. Like, you didn't do like a, uh, a first and second market release on this. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't know when you're going to get this episode ready to air, but I do know that um, AFI Silver Spring is airing it, I think, on February 25th and February 27th. So they're doing like an Oscar retrospective and it's going to be up there. And I feel like there's really no better place to see it than the AFI. So if you're close to Silver Spring, I would recommend checking it out on the big screen if you have the opportunity to. Yeah, it'd be, Absolutely. It'd be it'll, you know, it is what it is. I just, because you know what? That, um, the Merlewitz stories was good on Netflix too, but it ain't getting mm-hmm. no, like, it was on Netflix. Like, it's like, Adam Sandler was like, I decided to act again, and but nobody's going to see this or care. So I'm going to just and go they- back taking vacation movies again. They try to push for that. Like they did release that in theaters, I think, like for as always. Yeah. For like a limited run. Yeah, of course. Um, Okay, so I think mine are I think my underseen movie would be I don't feel at home in this world anymore, which speaks to the fact that Julian was like, what the hell is this movie? (laughs) Um, It was I think it premiered at Sundance last year and um, was one of those things that like Netflix, I think, bought immediately because it showed up on Netflix pretty soon after. Yeah, they bought it at Sundance at on January 19th and it was on Netflix on February 24th. So they did like a super quick turnaround from it. Um, But I feel like it's definitely a movie that feels most in line with how I feel about the world a lot of the time. Um, It is about a woman who has her home broken into and her stuff stolen. And basically it is past, like it is the thing that pushes her over the edge and inspires her to try to regain control of her life. And Elijah Wood is like her weirdo neighbor who accompanies her on this journey to try to like track down her shit and basically try to put her life back together. And it kind of sounds a little goofy the way I'm describing it, but it really feels in line to me with, um, green room and blue ruin and these movies that are kind of about like what seems like a very small element of your life that is more indicative to like the monotony of american adulthood and the frustration and the resentment that you might have that builds up over time i really liked i thought it was very cathartic did you see it i did see it i only saw it once and i feel like i i need to see it again but i think (laughs) at least the performances were really good though i i i have to be honest and say I don't remember a lot of it. Okay, I would recommend that you see it. I think it's only like 80 or 90 minutes. It's 96 minutes. It's definitely worth seeing. There's this one scene where somebody asks the main character, Melanie Linsky, um, like what she wants, like what her end game is and her response is just for people to stop being assholes and I feel like that is like how I feel all the time. (laughs) I just want people to stop being assholes and I, I feel like that is another one that has kind of gotten buried in the Netflix rotation but it was really good and I really enjoyed it. Um, But I feel like the thing that I would recommend most to people and Julian and I have talked about this is wind river, because I feel like of all of Taylor Sheridan's films, Sicario obviously got a lot of press. Heller high water did. And I feel like wind river was kind of forgotten. I think maybe because it was a Weinstein film and then everything with Weinstein broke 
but I feel like it's the perfect ending for this trilogy that Taylor Sheridan did about like the disenfranchised and people on the margins of American society and how easy it is to forget cultures and people that have been stepped on and disrespected and pushed to the side and there are definitely like issues with that movie i mean i think we can all pretty much agree that like jeremy renner really didn't need to be the star of that movie (laughs) but there's so much right but there's so much about it that i think links up thematically with like hell or high water and how hell or high water talks about like the economy and how fucked we've been by banks and corporations and in the same way by sicario which is the idea of like how does the government forget or ignore problems that it doesn't want to deal with and how does that lead to lawlessness that feels like it can never be contained mm-hmm. so like i i really liked wind river and i feel like it definitely got forgotten this year julian would you agree with that yeah and that movie was hard that movie yeah. did some things i didn't expect mm-hmm. like so it's just like yeah people really don't care about the indigenous people in america don't mm-hmm. and yeah they used the they yeah. used the the white guy hero who's who's like the super tracker but i'm like mm-hmm. yeah i could deal with that like you that's that's your point of view character too even though it's really the white lady cop mm-hmm. it, it's kind of him like he's the entry point to this world that no one gives a fuck about like no one mm-hmm. no one cares about these women the, the way hits hard was the all the stuff at the end like this yes. happens all the time yes no one gives a fuck yes well like that the u.s government that nobody keeps records on how many native women go missing that like that isn't something that is discussed and i didn't fully realize this because i don't know the movie i don't know if the movie fully addresses this but adam sent me uh like a video essay about the movie that pointed this out that there was like a law way back in the day that made it so if a non-indigenous person commits a crime um, on on a reservation that like the FBI needs to get involved, like a federal person needs to get involved, the indigenous police can't prosecute it on their own, which I didn't fully realize. But like, that's why Elizabeth Olsen has to come and be involved. So yeah. I feel like there are things going on in this movie that, again, and speak to the fact, and this might link up again with our Oscars So White conversation. We talk a lot about inclusivity for immigrants in the American narrative, but we don't talk enough about the native indigenous people and how completely they are forgotten by yeah, popular culture. Everybody always says, like, America is a country of immigrants, so everybody immigrants is like, right. indigenous Actually, people and black people are like, fuck out of here, no we ain't. Right. Right. So it definitely is um, one of those things that I I really do feel like that movie stuck with me for a lot of last year. And Adam and I were like, maybe we should watch it tonight. So you guys should rewatch it. I know. Yeah. You're the opposite. Y'all be watching. Y'all be rewatching so much stuff and I'm watching so much new shit. Mm -hmm. Like I'm watching Step Up High Water on YouTube. Yeah, I know. I think I think. uh, uh, I think some other people are as well because I've seen some like tweets about it. And I'm like, yeah. Yo, new shit. Let's go. Like new shit yeah. all the time. Too much new shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. But yeah, do you feel like we all discussed what we wanted to discuss? Was there anything else we wanted to talk about? No, it's good. It's good. I'm glad good. y'all was good. on. Good. Thanks, yeah, man. Thank Thanks you. for having us on. Hey.
off of abacus for a living. Prime author, autobiographically bastards. Pain pattern, put a pain in your brain pattern. Style dropping the drums and stun all garbage. Small targets get launched on. Clobber to toss off. Knock them off just to get rocks off. Put a pause on all of that soft talk. Chop, chop. Tick tock, you got insular hands on a Glock stop. I'm bagging a bag and I'm backing out for the back off. Ignorant Bliss is on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Mixcloud. It's also a part of the Taylor Network of Podcasts. It is also part of Critical, the movie review network on Blog Talk Radio. Um, You can follow on Twitter. IGBL Podcast You can follow me At Julian Lytle L-Y-T-L-E On all the major social networks Um, Ignorant Bliss is on Facebook So follow, like, and the such Ignorant Bliss Podcast Uh, Please review The show on everything you can and share it. And the email for the show is ignorantpluspodcast at gmail.com. Always check for the show notes for links to the people that's on the show, along with uh, any other little factoids and links to how to listen to the show and my playlist for the show. Also, the website for the show is ignorant. We turn Pirellis to jellies, Escons and former cellies. They already foot on neck, very heavy. Good on deck, smell it, smell it. Show some respect or you get showered like parade confetti. Made man or made already. Nobody safe, I'm petted. 450 horse up in the horses, hunted in the Chevy. Buddy, I'm nutty, I got some screws loose. And if your bitch wants some cutty, baby, I choose you. Underground kings, speed and sound things. Run the sacks and beware of all your surroundings. Hey, that's hey, why I'm out of hey, here, baby. Before these pops put me down in a...